What's this? What's what? This podcast, this stupid podcast. What are you talking about? This is the podcast. You don't like well, this podcast? Well, thank you, pal. I get sprung out of the joint, and my own brother has me do a stupid podcast. What's it about, anyway? It's about reviewing movies. What? It's a movie review podcast. We're musicians. How can two musicians possibly review movie podcasts? You don't like it? No, I don't like it. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. On this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, not only are we going to be reviewing a good movie, but we're also going to be dancing down Jason's adolescence and teenagehood. <laughs> because the movie that we're going to be reviewing is The Blues Brothers, something that yeah. took a huge bite out of Jason's past and never spat it out again. Steve? Yes, Steve? sir. Yep. Yes, sir. Yep. You have some, some trivia about Blues Brothers? I do. <laughs> the first time I saw the Blues Brothers at a movie theater with my father, and he and he thought the funniest scene was when the nun was beating him up, and I thought that was pretty funny. I didn't know that it was going to take over my entire life and I would become a Blues Brother impersonator by the time I was a senior in high school. No, but I did, didn't I? Yes. Do you know how hard it fucking is to find dark brown turquoise Ray-Ban sunglasses? A lot of people think that, uh, that uh, Jake wears black ones. He doesn't. They're dark brown. They're hard to find, and they're fucking expensive. What? You can see that they're dark brown when he gets them handed back in the prison. I know, but not... Okay, remember, I saw it once in the movie theater in 1980 when I was 11 years old, and then I saw it on crappy VHS <laughs> from that point forward. Now I can see the perfectly brown. I only knew they were brown because I saw the movie theater. My friend who was who was playing Elwood all the time kept saying, you know what, they're actually black. And I said, no, they're not. They're dark brown. <laughs> You're dead to me! <laughs> Found them. One. One pair. Found one pair. Wow. But they were prescription for a fucking dude who couldn't see two inches in front of his face. The lenses oh were my so God. thick, they fall off my face. I look like an old man. Wow. Anyway. But at least you were in the ballpark it. with the Blues Brothers. Okay, let's just get this out of the way. I love the movie so much that in high school, I became Jake Elwood and a pair of two people who dress up like Jake and Elwood. That's right. We were those people and performed the songs. So not only do I know the movie, but I also memorized their catalog. We had two albums out and I had memorized both. And then Jim and Lucy had to go and fucking die. That son of a bitch prick asshole. Yeah. I don't like it, John. Could have stayed alive. He could have stayed alive, and he could have been a ghost. He could have. I wish he had. Was I mean, well, Ghostbusters turned out okay, but I, I wish he had stayed alive anyway because he was a very talented performer. Mm, anyway. As this movie shows, Steve, do you have any trivia for this movie? That I have. That, I here's have, a here's I, a challenge that I don't know. I, I was just going to say I have a lot of trivia that I'm sure you already <laughs> know, but maybe some of the listeners don't know. Okay. So if I. If, so please feel free to jump in and fill in any of the gaps. I'm in going my, to jump in. So okay, so um, actually, this first one is a little bit of this. This is a little, little bit of, a, of a, some personal trivia about some of the people in the movie. So, um, in what was surely one of the low points of her personal life, Carrie Fisher actually became engaged to Dan Aykroyd during the filming. Oh of this yeah, movie. she did. Yeah, she was what um, fucking eighteen years old. Something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and the engagement lasted only a short time because Carrie Fisher got back together with Paul Simon. 
her ex uh, yeah. shortly after that. Another man who was at least 20, 15, 20 years older than her. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. She had a type. No, she didn't. She was high on fucking coke. She didn't know what her type or that was. Too. Well, it was the 70s and the early 80s. Like, yeah. Um, and also, speaking of Carrie Fisher, to stick with that uh, theme for, for another second, uh, mm -hmm. her association with the Blues Brothers uh, as an act actually began two years before the movie because she was the host of an episode of SNL where the Blues Brothers were the musical guests. Sure. Which must have been nice. They saved money that week. They didn't have to hire an actual band well, to Blues come and Brothers play on the were, show. They just got Belushi yeah. and then Dacroid to do the yeah. Blues Brothers. Well, they were a warm-up act for this. They SNL. used to they do it like, yeah, band. they used to, they would, I think that's how it started, right? They they would do it like for the mm -hmm. studio audience and then mm -hmm. they started doing it like on the actual show. Sure. Yeah. They didn't do it all that often on the actual show, actually. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, because but, it wasn't really a sketch. Like no. it was just them doing a Which song. Which is why you don't see Lauren Michaels' name slapped right. all over this fucking thing. <laughs> right. Um, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but a a total of a hundred and three cars were wrecked, like totaled during the filming. Yay. Which which uh, was the record at the time. And so I, I need to know, record... watching all of those yeah. all those police cars crash and pile up, yeah. did you just start drinking? <laughs> I mean, I know oh, how much you, you hate cops, so I just got to know, do you it like was... watch it back and forth? Like, oh, there we it go. Was, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I mean, I won't say it's like my favorite part of the movie, but sure. one of my favorite parts of the movie is just what utter idiots the cops are. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. they are just Keystone Cops level imbeciles, especially John and, Candy. John Candy is oh, uh, what's his who, name? He's so funny. Yeah, as uh, Burton Mercer, he is so fucking yeah. funny. So <laughs> funny. What car? What, no, what number are we? Fifty-three. Fifty-three. Uh, we're in a truck. <laughs> <laughs> he's so chipper. He's so happy. Mm -hmm. hey, what number are we? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> what was the uh, the uh, the orange whip? Who wants an orange whip? I, I steal <laughs> the orange whip line all what? the time. What do you want, Who orange wants whip? an orange whip? Orange you, whip? you, three orange whips. Three orange whips. <laughs> He's just so happy. Huh? Um. So yeah, the the record at the time for wrecked cars. And speaking of the cars, um, at least a few shots of the big high speed car chase at the end were genuinely high speed. Yes, they were. Um, Typically, and, when, and when some of them, Dan Aykroyd was actually driving that fucking car. Yeah. Typically, when movies shoot high speed car chases, the cars are filmed at driving at much lower speeds. And then, mm -hmm. they, you know, they, they they speed up the film to make it look like it's moving faster than they are. But for a few shots of the Blues Brothers car chase in Chicago, uh, the production got permission from the city for the Bluesmobile to drive under a stretch of the L train oh at over God, 100 miles an hour. Smoking through there, yeah. And they did two passes, and they maxed out at a speed of 118 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so not every shot of that car chase, but a few shots of that car chase, especially for that a bit where they're driving those, directly yeah. into the L track. That, There's a couple of those is, shots showing Jake and Elwood in the car, where you can tell yeah. Dan Argoid is delivering dialogue and driving at high speed yeah. on a bridge because they're being jostled around that car. And that's yeah. something that you can't really do because he's moving the steering wheel. That's not something you can really, and it's a live shot. You can see the the background moving. The only way they can yeah. do that is by having the actor actually drive the goddamn car. Otherwise, yeah, they wouldn't like have shot it that not, way. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not being towed. It's, they're actually, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Um, speaking of Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Your favorite. My favorite actor in the whole world. <laughs> um, he, he, uh, he wrote the script. Uh, oh, he God. actually ended up getting he, en he ended up getting a co-writer 
credit tell with him, John Landis, him, the director. Tell him how many pages it was when he turned it down. I'm about to. Okay. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's original script mm-hmm. was 384 pages long. Now, for reference, a typical movie script is uh, between 100 and 120 pages. If you're an hour and a half, you're about 90 pages. Not yet. T- t- the, the rule yeah. generally is, is, is a minute on screen per page. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So between 90 and 120 pages is rough. Roughly, you know, sometimes it's a little more because I just remember how many shots in this movie movie were establishing shots. There were a lot of establishing or driving shots or whatever. Um, Sure. Oh, yeah. There's and yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of the running time, especially when you get later on and there's that car chase. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's I'm sure there were specific gags in that chase that were scripted, but a lot of that chase is not you're not that like every single minute of that is not going to be scripted out on the page. So. Um, you know, but anyway, so Ackroyd's original draft was 384 pages. John Landis, the way John Landis earned his co-writer credit <laughs> was was by taking that monstrosity and chopping it down to a usable, not just mm-hmm. not just editing it to, for length, but making it make sense as mm-hmm. a story, because Ackroyd's original version also apparently didn't have an ending. Nope. <laughs> he just he just kind of started writing Blues Brothers stuff mm-hmm. and got to 384 pages and said, oh, wrote, yeah, I think that's it. He wrote and, backstory for everybody. He, you know, he did a lot of stuff as a joke. He bound it in a telephone book binder. Yeah. So he yeah. took the cover off a telephone book and put it on and the put it on the script. Even, even knew it was preposterously big. So, yeah. And later on, he he explained it by saying he had never written a script before, which mm-hmm. was true. True. But apparently, but apparently he had also never seen a movie before. <laughs> like That's he not didn't true. know how he didn't know how stories worked. Why That's... why would you write a 384 page? That is very that not goes true. nowhere. I know, but I'm just saying, like, if his excuse is, well, I never wrote a script before. Okay, mm-hmm. but you've seen movies, right? Like, you know generally mm-hmm. how they go, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was Canadian. <laughs> um he was also the only member of SNL that uh, Monty Python wanted on Monty Python. I've heard was it Eric Idle said that Eric, Eric Idle, Idle said, a couple of them a couple of them said, said that. the he, only he's one that the had only any... SNL actor who could yeah. have been a member of the Pythons. Yeah, but that that kind of sensibility, their kind of sensibility. Well, I mean, you know, they they, they were all, all all of the original Pythons were pretty good, so they probably just they wanted a shitty one. Just you know, they did have a shitty one. Who was the shitty one? What do you think? <laughs> to find out who you think is the shitty one. I, sure. I mean, I, I I think they all have their their you know strengths and weaknesses. I, I don't know if, I, if none of Gilliam. You think Gilliam a, was the as, shitty one? As a performer, yes. As a performer? Mm-hmm. You don't hear yeah, ever I guess really maybe. hear about all the great sketches that Gilliam came up He's with. He's like maybe the least memorable of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He came yeah. on in the clinch. He was funny in the clinch. You know, he was considered one of them, even though he mostly did the animations and directed stuff. But as right. a performer and a writer of the sketches, I don't know how involved he was in the writing of it. Right. Right. But he would you would show up and perform. It's kind of like Carol Cleveland. Carol Cleveland is technically a Pythoner, but they never considered her part of the group because she was a woman. Right. And she wasn't a writer, but she was in almost all the all the episodes. Right. She was a player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Okay. So uh the the movie has uh, the beginning of the movie has some aerial shots, and of course those mm-hmm. were shot 
from a helicopter. Are you sure that um, was a Blade Runner? Those first shots before they cut to the prison. Yeah. Mm. Well, what, what are we even watching here? Um, the uh, the helicopter that filmed the aerial shots of the prison for the opening was fired upon by guards at the prison. Who had, not been in, who had not been informed of what was happening and thought the helicopter oh, was there to spy great. on the prison. Mm. So the prison guards just started. They saw an, an unexplained helicopter and just started shooting at it. Ah, sweet mm -hmm. home Chicago. Um, speaking of Chicago, here's my last little bit of trivia. I love this. Um, much of the film was shot on location in Chicago, including it's the West. scenes of the, uh, including scenes of the Bluesmobile driving through buildings in Daly mm -hmm. Plaza. Um, John Landis later claimed that they were able to get permission to film in such places due to the help of the Chicago mob. Mm -hmm. And this claim is somewhat bolstered dubious. by yeah. the well, it's it's some it's it's dubious, but it's somewhat it's 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 reinforced mm -hmm. by the fact that. This was um, the first major film to be allowed to shoot on location in Chicago mm -hmm. in over 20 years, sure. because what, what happened was there were there used to be a TV show in, in the, the late 50s and early 60s called M Squad. That was a cop show that took place in Chicago mm -hmm. and M Squad had an episode called The Jumper. That was filmed on location in Chicago, and there was a scene in this episode that depicted a Chicago cop taking a bribe, and Mayor Daly was so incensed <laughs> that this TV show would show a Chicago cop taking a bribe. is the, the very idea. He was so mm -hmm. enraged that he banned film and television location shooting mm -hmm. in Chicago, and it was banned for 20 years until the Blues <laughs> Brothers were somehow able to... Uh, to get permission and i can't see you again oh. your camera isn't working anymore. oh i turned off my camera because i'm so upset no it probably oh, could, no. came unplugged so uh guess where i took my first vacation chicago mm -hmm. <gasps> train, trip. Right. train trip train uh, trip oh oh that must be cool across the country yeah yeah uh, my first grown-up my first grown-up uh um uh, vacation was uh by amtrak of all places and the first big stop is of course chicago downtown right there that's where yeah Train station is got out. I only went and stopped. I wanted to stop at Chicago because of this movie of the Blues Brothers. It's the only reason I knew about Chicago really before the Blues Brothers when I was a kid. <laughs> Hopefully, my camera will turn back on, or it's just going to be Steve talking to nobody. That's right, Steve is talking to nobody. That's a second. God damn it! Come on. Oh, Come on. it's doing something. Stupid. There stupid. it is. There we go. Okay, good. Um. Yay! So what else? Is that everything? Uh, that's everything. That's all I got. Yay! It's my turn. I get to talk about the Blues <laughs> Brothers. Okay, so Blues Brothers. It was directed by John Landis. Do you guys know John Landis? He ruined his career somehow. I don't. He. <laughs> by, I mean, by by getting people killed on the set of well, the Twilight I mean, Zone. Movie. I don't know how responsible he was for that. But I do know that there was a marked change between before the Twilight Zone and after the Twilight Zone as far as the quality of his films, mm -hmm. right? Because he he oh, kind sure. of reached he kind of reached a height with uh, American Werewolf in London mm -hmm. and um, and this one with the Blues Brothers, and then his filmmaking got really flat after that, right? He made a few movies. He made that Spies Like Us movie, I think, and you know a couple of other things. Trading Places came out at that time. And, you know, he was known as, you know, a com comedic director. He hasn't really done anything. Not since 
What was the last movie you remembered? Uh, the great John Landis movie. Nope, that's right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say great John Landis movie. I don't even know. I remember the, 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 the last one I remember, and he, I'm sure he's directed something since then, but the last I'm one sure. I remember is American Werewolf in Paris, which was Did not he good. direct that? I, did he? I thought he directed. I don't that. know. I, I'm Maybe assuming... he didn't. I don't know. Maybe he just produced it or something. But I don't know. No. It, yeah. Hey, you guys right. want to watch CG werewolves? Yeah. Really. Oh boy, can't wait. Um. Anyway, written by Dan Aykroyd and John Landis, and you know Dan Aykroyd. He's been he's been Ghostbusters. That's all you remember him from because the only good thing <laughs> he was in. Unless <laughs> that's all like you need. Well, this and Ghostbusters are the only things you really need to remember. Unless you remember Doctor Detroit, my stepmom was an alien, or all those other failed things where they tried to have him as a lead. Oh, Dan boy. Aykroyd is not a lead. Dan Aykroyd, number one, is a great creator if he can be controlled. If no one was controlling him on Ghostbusters, yes. Ghostbusters would be a fuck ton different. Ghostbusters oh, got really weird with with just Dan Aykroyd writing that fucking thing. Other people had to step yeah. in and say, no, 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 Dan. No, Dan. He's a bucket <laughs> no, of ideas. He's a bucket of ideas, and he goes a million miles an hour. You want to know what kind of movie he makes if he's allowed to do it on his own? You ready? Nothing but trouble. A movie that mm-hmm. we're going to have to we're going to have to review at some point because mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, that was the last mistake that studio was going to make is by mm-hmm. giving Dan Aykroyd that much fucking money. <laughs> um, you're like, oh, we want Dan Aykroyd comedy, and you, when you let him loose, his ideas go like, everywhere, nope. and they're undirected, and he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's a broad. Yeah. He, comedian and like Steve and, he doesn't and, like it when he's broad when and he's something controlled. tells me yeah <laughs> something tells me Mike Myers saw that version of Dan Aykroyd and said that's what I want to do when he is controlled when he sticks to a character he's fine Dragnet he was great this movie he's great other times where he's allowed to be wacky it doesn't seem genuine yeah. and that's the problem I can see what Steve is talking about yeah okay so there we go written by written by Dan Aykroyd who also wrote Ghostbusters and a whole bunch of other stuff that you don't like Guarantee you don't like it, so don't worry. Uh, produced by Robert Doug K. Weiss, and he did all the Naked Gun movies and Dragnet and a bunch of comedies during the 1980s. It's fine. Starring John Belushi as Juliet Jake Blues, and you know him from Animal House. Mm-hmm. Because he fucking died before he had much of a career. Huh, Steve? Yep. That, yes, he did, unfortunately. He was going to be a, probably a huge star in the 80s. but He may have been, yeah. Make it. It's possible. Yeah. And thankfully, he died so that we can still have Robin Williams and Robert De Niro for a little while because they were both stopping by his house to get fucking cocaine or heroin or something. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when he died and everyone went, shit, because <laughs> no one thought he could die. No one thought he would die from it. He was like a big bear, like, well, not big. I mean, he was a bear of a man. Anyway, he was yeah. in that and Saturday Night Live. And that's about it. If you've seen a movie called Continental Divide, he was in that, too. Anyone remember that? Nope. Great. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. How did he get up? up, up? Oh, I, you know what? I cut him out. I didn't mean to. Um, Dan Aykroyd. Is that what blues? <laughs> you know him? We just talked about him. Uh, here we go. Now, this is the fun part. Cab Calloway is Curtis. Yeah. And this was his last movie. And boy, mm-hmm. it was good to see him. <laughs> it was really great to see him. What's really great about this movie are all of the older actors who we've all lost since then. And this has become like a time mm-hmm. capsule where they get to perform and their songs are great. Oh, they weren't, yeah. They weren't on the top of the charts. This kind of revigorated a lot of people's uh, careers, including... Um, uh, come on, brain. Come on, brain. Do it. You know, the guy is blind. He plays the thing. Oh, the Ray guy. Charles. Ray Charles. Yeah. You include, kind of invigorated his as well. Um, got Cab Calloway as Curtis, Aretha Franklin as Mrs. Murphy, and now the band. Ready? These are all professional. They they have speaking roles. You can tell they're not professional actors in some cases, but <laughs> it's, uh, 
It's Steve Cropper or Steve the Colonel Cropper as the lead guitarist. Donald Duck Dunn as the bass guitar. Uh, Murphy uh, Murphy Dwayne or Murph as keyboards. Willie Too Big Hall as drums. Tom Bones as Malone, Tom Bones Malone on trombone. Blue Lou Mar uh, Marini as saxophone. Matt Guitar Murphy lead guitar and Mr. Fabulous Alan Rubin on trumpet. Um, you notice they didn't really change their names all that much <laughs> when <No>. they were <laughs> on screen. Probably because they wouldn't know that someone was talking to them if they changed their name because they weren't act they weren't <laughs> professional actors. Who's he talking to? How you been? Where you at? You have our money, motherfucker. <laughs> Harry Fisher as the mystery woman. Yay! I don't need to tell you who she is. God damn it. Henry Gibson as the Lee as the head Nazi. Oh boy, was it great to see Harry, <laughs> what, Henry Gibson. What inspired Nazi. casting? Oh my god. He's great. What, what are you talking about? He's a perfect yeah. Oh, he's oh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. Um, yes, he's great. Oh, God, Illinois Nazis. Uh, John Candy. That's a okay. So uh, yeah, okay. So my first car that I bought on my own with my own money was a car very similar to the Blues Brothers, which was a 1974 mm -hmm. Dodge four door sedan. I got a 1965 four door um, Chrysler, uh, not Imperial. Come on, brain. Oh, forget it. A Newport. Chrysler Newport. Okay. That kind of drove the same way, but I would drive around and quote this fucking movie all the time and be like, Illinois Nazi. <laughs> whenever <laughs> In I San see, Francisco. And whenever I like, see what the fuck are, what are you, the talking, fuck are you about? talking about? I think nothing. Leave me alone. Uh, John Candy as Burton Mercer. You don't know who John Candy is. Don't, don't embarrass yourself. John Lee Hooker as Street Slim. And he's great. Yeah. He's a real honest to God blues guitarist. And, 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 Boy, he's good. And, he's, and I made Steve mad because I told him I met him twice. And I did. Because no, you didn't have, make me mad. I told you it was like maybe the most blues clubs in Oakland that I could go to. I mean, no, you I, like honestly, because every once in a while, you'll you'll sort of casually inform me that you've met some famous person, mm. you know, at some point in the past. And I mean, like I and this is the truth. John Lee Hooker is, to me is the most impressive one of those because I because really cool, I too. love he's John really Lee Hooker. You know, some white boy yeah. coming up and saying, hey, you're doing great. And he's like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's I mean, not like he's we probably, had a long involved conversation or anything. Yeah. He probably, you're, you were probably like the 20th one that night. You know, I'm sure he, he was inundated with, <laughs> with, with like white kids coming up to him going, I love your music, Mr. Hooker. I walked Thank up and I, and I had an album and he said, that my album. And I said, yep. <laughs> he's like, you're goddamn right it is. <laughs> and he said, and he signed it and that was it. So there you go. Beautiful. Um, Kathleen Freeman as Sister Mary Stigmata, and she has been around for fucking ever. And yes. her name is Sister Mary Stigmata, and yep. she is a character actress you notice her from television, just tons and tons of movies and TV. Steve Lawrence as Maurice Lyon, same thing, same thing. Twiggy as the Chic Lady. I think she didn't really act that much. Not really. She was. Yeah. She's done this briefly. She's a famous model. Frank Oz yeah. as the corrections officer yeah. was the ickiest part in the entire movie. <laughs> but he's great. He's great. Jeff Morris as Bob. Charles Napier as Tucker Malloy. Who, Melroy, excuse me. McElroy, excuse me. Yeah. Who is famous for what, Steve? Being hung up by an American um, flag by Hannibal Lecter and having his guts. Oh, go. that's right. Yes. He was the yeah, he was he I mean, I was I was trying to think because he's been in so much stuff. Oh, he was also one of the hippies. Stuff. He was also one of the hippies on that episode of Star Trek. Yes, he was. 
Stevie Spielberg. Little Stevie Spielberg. Little Stevie as, Spielberg. As the Cook County Assessor, Steve Williams, Stephen Williams as Trooper Mount. And you know him. He went on to like what 21 Drum Street or something. I think it was. Yeah, he's he he's and again, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's a guy like if you do even if you don't remember his name, like you'll see him and you'll instantly recognize him from something. And blink yeah. you'll miss him because he's waiting to be famous. Paul Rubens as the waiter. As the waiter at the restaurant. Yes, I noticed him immediately. I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, cinematographer by Stephen Katz. He's done movies like Baby Geniuses. Oh, God. Oh, nice boy. Girls Don't Explode. That's an actual name of a movie. Nice Girls Don't Explode. I mean, uh, at, probably uh, true. Mm-hmm. You know. Edited by George Fulsey, Jr., excuse me, who also edited Ta- Hot Tub Time Machine and Hostel, production company, Universal Pictures. Distributed by Universal Pictures. Release date, June 20th, 1980. Running time, 133 minutes. Budget, $27.5 million. Box office, $115.2 million. So thankfully, they made their money back. Because holy shit, did they go over budget for this movie. Yes. Holy yes, shit. They did. There are a lot of production problems, including John Belushi constantly getting fucking cranked out of his head and causing problems. Yeah, I think I think one of the I, I, I think didn't Ackroyd say that cocaine was a line item in the budget? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. I don't know why Carrie Fisher went after went after Ackroyd when it was obvious that Belushi had all the cocaine. Exactly. <laughs> and also he was the cool one. Yeah, and also Landis told her to watch out. Watch out for uh, Belushi's uh, cocaine intake. It's kind of like, hey, addict, come here and watch this guy do cocaine. It's like, okay. (laughs) You don't have a drug problem, do you, Carrie? Mm -mm. This this should be fine. (laughs) She says that she snorts the cocaine off of some stranger's dick. I'm fine. I'm good. (laughs) I'll keep him straight, John. Don't you worry. (laughs) Okay, Steve. You ready? Got your pork pie hat on? Your pork pie hat? Yes, sir. Your Ray-Ban sunglasses? Yeah. Thin tie, not thick tie. Doesn't work if it's a thick tie. <laughs> black suit, black shoes. Black suit. Yeah. Belt black. Yes. One prophylactic. Every, everything unused. black except the sunglasses, <laughs> which are brown. You got one prophylactic, not used. Not used. Yes. One soiled. <laughs> one soiled. <laughs> Hanging from an outstretched <laughs> finger. Uh, from a pen. Yes. He's holding it up with a pen. Oh, was it a pen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, then let's you and me tear off into the classic <laughs> film. The Blues Brothers. Steve, take it away. Yes. Well, we begin with, as I alluded to in my trivia, we get some aerial shots of the the city of Chicago. Or uh, a more realistic opening to Blade Runner. Yeah. Very industrial, uh, like Mm. smokestacks and factories and lots of... It's not exactly a place where you go, oh, I wish I lived there. (laughs) Not really. Not so much. Um, And then we cut to Joliet Prison Mm -hmm. in the state of Illinois. And the real Joliet see, prison, by the way. Yes, the actual, yes, the actual Joliet prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see scenes of a prisoner being, it turns out, being released. Now, I can understand because of the way it's presented and shot until he goes into the, the building and is having his um, effects being returned. You could imagine that he's being marched to the death house to the death because house, of yeah. how somber it is. Um, but yeah, it's he's because also the guards say, "Okay, this is it." When they stop right, it exactly. Door. And it's and it's very it's very serious. Like the tone is very grave in these <laughs> opening scenes. And then, of course, mm-hmm. it turns out that this is uh, Jake Blues, John Belushi, and he is uh, being released. He's been in prison for a while, and he's having his stuff returned. Actually, and, we know, don't know who he is at this point because we never see his face. No, but don't don't we get like the close up of his hand and he has Jake? 
Oh yeah, yeah. We, when he hands. when he signed, when he puts his hands on the counter and he says you have yeah. to sit back the line behind the line, you can see Jake is yeah. tattooed on his on his and, left hand. And and then you get that really funny bit of physical comedy from Belushi when they ask him to sign and he leans. He, he has to lean all the, the way line, over, but yeah. leans all the way forward. I love that. Um, but yeah, so Jake has been in prison for a while and he's being released, and we cut to the outside where his brother Elwood has pulled up. Uh, across the street from the the gate, we can we can we see that he has the tattoo across his fingers. He, he has Elwood on his hand, and uh, and then the gate opens, and we get this great dramatic shot where like it looks like Jake is emerging from the gates of hell because it's just mm-hmm. orange behind him, and he's and he's in his full Blues Brothers getup, um, which they both will wear with few exceptions for the entire rest of the movie, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and he walks out and the Blues Brothers are reunited and we get the title card and they hug. And then as they're in the car driving away, we get very, very brief opening credits. Like it's what kind, just, of, what kind of car is it? They're done with their credits by that time. We get the produced by and we yeah. get the directed by. It's the credits and, are really short. Mm-hmm, you just yeah. get the, the basics. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it is uh, it's this is uh, uh, Elwood explains. Well, this is their new car. It's an mm-hmm. old cop car. It's an old mm-hmm. Plymouth uh, cop car that has been mm-hmm. decommissioned. It's a Dodge, not a Plymouth. Uh, a Dodge. <laughs> sorry. A Dodge cop car. It's and, a 1974 uh, and, Dodge cop car. Yeah. And Jake is a little annoyed because this is not the car they had when he went in. He's like, He's what a happened to our Cadillac? getting picked up from jail in a cop car. Yeah, he's like, why did you pick me up? And this is what happened to our Cadillac. And Elwood explains, oh, I traded our old car for a microphone. <laughs> and Jake says, oh, okay, I can understand. Okay, that. I can see that. Yeah. What's this? He's um, like, oh, this is a cop car. They were selling them. You know, it's got, you know, cop cop brakes, cop suspension. Yeah, Elwood explains, for- he's like, this is actually a good car for us because yeah. it has a bunch of cop stuff on it. It was so, made you know, for catalytic yeah. converters, so it runs good on regular gas. But yeah. he doesn't say that because what he says is, I don't like it. Yeah. Right. Jake doesn't like it. After he tries to light a cigarette with the, the cigarette lighter that comes to the car and he throws it out the window. And <laughs> so Elwood decides, okay, I'm going to use this um, this drawbridge and I'm going to jump it with the car. And he does it. He jumps it yeah. with the car. To demonstrate across, how demonstrate good the car good is. It is. Yeah. He explains what the car is, how good it is. And he goes, this always is a new blues from or what? And Jake says, fix the cigarette lighter. Walk, 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 walk. <laughs> Cut to another port of part of hell or Chicago. It depends on what you want, where all the buildings are brown. And there's so oh, much yeah. garbage this is on not, the streets. Not yes. the nice part of town. Yeah. No. But down at the end of a really bad alley, we stop in front of uh, a church or something that looks kind of like a church. What we yeah. find out, Elwood <laughs> says, we got to go see the penguin. Jake's like, I don't got to see the penguin. He's <laughs> like, you promised her that. You can't lie to a nun, Jake. You gotta go see the penguin. Yeah. And it turns out that Jake and Elwood grew up in an orphanage. They're orphans. And this, and this is the orphanage that they grew up in. And they yeah. have to go see the sister who's never made who's never named in it, but whose name is Sister Mary Stigmata. Right. Yeah, as we see in the credits, but she's never mm-hmm. referred to as that in the in the movie. But yeah, they call her the penguin and She's the the mother superior, I guess, of, of the mm-hmm. orphanage, mm-hmm. and yeah, and there are there are so many just subtle little absurd touches in the scene that I love, like the, the when they have to walk up the stairs. Up. Yeah, oh, the doors are opening, yeah. closing on their own. The door closes by itself without explanation. Um, the little bits where like they 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 she tells them to take a seat and they sit down in in desks like old fashioned school desks, a little kids desks that Jacob barely kid, fit and when, in. And then when she says no, come closer, they don't get up; they just mm-hmm. hop in the desks closer to her desk. Yep, because yeah. she can't see them. And they're asking yeah. how they are. And they they get great, and she says, "Oh well, it's not bad." The tax assessor says we owe five thousand dollars, 
and the uh, the church isn't going to pay them. They're just going to sell us, you know, sell us to the sell the place to what the superintendent of schools or something like that. Yeah, they're so going to the place... sell it to the school system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, he, then Jake says, no problem. We'll get that cash right now. I know at least five guys that we can kill. And she says, like, I don't want your filthy money. And Jake says, well, no, well, actually, guess- you know, there, there's you're, 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 one, one of what? my favorite bits in the whole movie. When Jake says, she says, I don't want your filthy money. Yeah, and she, I was just is- about to do it. Oh, you were going to get well, yeah, well then I guess you're up shit creek. You're up sh- <laughs> and she says, she says, what did you say? <laughs> and he and he repeats verbatim everything yeah. they just said. And you it completely- said you needed money. I offered to help. You declined. And so I said, it sounds like you're up <laughs> like shit you're creek. Up shit and she creek. hits him hard. It's yeah. so hard. Oh, she yeah, she she starts hitting them both with a ruler because they every time she hits them, they swear and she's like, mm. Don't swear, and she ends up beating the shit out of both because, of them. Because but, what what yeah. Delwood goes is Jesus Christ, Jake, and she hits him, and then yeah. they start cussing back and forth as she's hitting them with this ruler, yeah, and eventually just, breaks over Elwood's head and she gets out this huge like pointing stick. Yeah. The whipping sound, and she starts beating them. Elwood gets up and leaves. Jake can't get out of the desk. <laughs> Takes a tumble down the stairs. Yep, and breaks apart. And she says, and, "You know." And she floats out. Doesn't she float out of the of her office? Well, she says, "Get out until like you've redeemed." Some kind yourselves. of a witch. <laughs> yeah, and she crosses. Don't her come back and, until you've redeemed yourself. Like she's yeah. a vampire, and the door closes. Yeah, and that's and yeah. that's where that's where we see their friend. You know, uh, what's his name? Yeah, Cal- uh, Cab Calloway. Cab Calloway. Curtis. Callaway, says, yeah. He says, "Boys, you should not talk to them that way." And they're happy to see him. And it's very important. It's very, very, very apparent that they have, like ducks, mirrored themselves after, after, um, after him, after Curtis. Oh, yeah, Curtis is he's dressed got the exactly, same outfit. He's got the glasses. Dressing. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's wearing a black suit, black tie. Um, and they're like, "You and the penguin are the only family we got." And he says, "Well, if we don't get five thousand dollars to the assessor's office in how many days?" Oh, I can't remember. Two days. Two days. Two or three. I think it's two days. Um, but you guys need churching up because you guys are you guys yeah. shouldn't talk to another like that. So he sends them send them out to the <laughs> Triple Rock Baptist Church. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the gospeliest really, gospel you know, church that ever was. Jake doesn't really want to go, but yes, it is the most gospely church on the world. Why, Steve? <laughs> I think it might have something to do with the fact. That the lead pastor is Brother James Theophis, Brown. Yeah. <laughs> it's James Brown. James Brown is the lead pastor of the church. So it's a very musical church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this is the all this is like this is ultimate James Brown. He boy, oh boy, is he in this. He's just like Yeah. He they start this, they start this musical number that is fucking fantastic. And it goes on for a little while, but there's dancing and and jumping and oh and boy, James Acrobatics. Brown being fucking James Brown and yeah. All of a sudden, something starts happening to Jake. He starts vibrating. <laughs> he starts vibrating and he starts glowing. He glows blue. Yeah, a light comes in through the steeple and, and uh, yeah. lights him up and he screams, the band! Elwood can't see it. Right. Elwood's like, what? The band? And then he and, and then screams the band and then he, he what does he say? <laughs> yes, Jesus. No, and that's when, that's when Theophis starts saying, have you seen the light? As part of his sermon. Yeah. And Jake says, I have seen the and he cusses during it and he just he somersaults down the down the center he somersaults down the aisle and back yeah dances and then he convinces uh, elwood to do the same and they start dancing around in the in the church it's a great big huge musical number which hadn't been present yet in this movie so if you didn't know that it was going to be a musical here's your tip off this is a fucking (laughs) musical there's gonna be music yeah 
This and, is and a that's, musical and, comedy action film. Yes. And Jake's idea, the reason he was screaming the band is mm-hmm. uh, he's going to put the band idea, back together. Yeah. They, they're going to put the band back together and they're going to do some shows, play some gigs and get paid. And that's how they're going to make the mm-hmm. money to pay the tax bill and save the orphanage. And he's asking him where everybody is. And he's telling him, well, I haven't really I have a couple of phone numbers and stuff, but I really kind of lost, tra- lost track of them. And then they get pulled over by the fucking cops. Right? Yeah, because Elwood was speeding. Elwood went through a light. They pull him oh, over. That's true. He, yeah, he went. Through, he, he ran a red light. The light was yellow. Off the light was yellow, sir. <laughs> yeah, and but and so they run his license through the, the because through the they system. have they have scamods scamods the the system that tells the officers oh, that his license wasn't this wasn't this uh, 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 prophesizing the future wasn't it. Oh, that the yeah. cops would have a computer in their car that they could look up your fucking record on. Yeah, and that so, tells them what to do mm-hmm. because it doesn't. It, they give you they give you a shot of the screen where it tells you who he is mm-hmm. and his address and his license is suspended and he has warrants about this and this. Okay. And at the bottom, flashing, it says and the cops, impound vehicle arrest <laughs> arrest driver in the co- uh, defending the cops <laughs> just a little bit. He had 116 parking violations. Yeah. And 56 moving violations. They 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 don't really seem they're not law-abiding no. citizens. No. Brothers. No. And, and so it tells them arrest driver in vehicle. Yeah. It's flashing and the cops they, are like, "Okay." <laughs> they go back up to him, they ask him to step out of the car and what is what is Elwood do? He speeds away. He fucking <laughs> takes off. Now this is the, one of the movies, the one of the first movies that came kind of a little bit of an obsession with me. This is the first movie that I noticed that all the streets were wet. Yeah, which is a very common and thing in movies. It's but, a very yeah. common thing in movies. And what I understand is the reason why the streets are wet is that it gives life to the scene. Because if the streets right. aren't wet, then the dryness of the of the cement makes it a little, you know, bland. You want to spice up the, yeah. the shots, it reflects off the light and it looks great. And so right. every single street that you see in this, the it the the streets are wet. So they go on a they go on a chase, and what is what does Elwood do? Um Oh, he drives. Well, they, they, he, he, he. Eventually, they drive uh, through a mall, straight through Toys R Us, because they, they're, they're on the what they're on. They're on what they're on. They're mm-hmm. on a turnpike, and Jake says we should get off the turnpike. And Elwood says, "You want to get off the turnpike?" Or no, it's a parking lot. They're in a parking lot. He says, "You want to get out of the parking lot? I'll take you out of the parking lot." And he drives mm-hmm. into the mall, and they spend quite a bit of time driving through the mall with the cops <laughs> chasing after them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and pointing out the the stores that the mall has, which yeah, I thought John, was hilarious. John Landis's cameo is the uh, driver of the other of the other cop car. Right, right. Um, and they just smash through every single fucking store. And naming it, they pointing it out. Oh look, yeah. Oh, yeah, they've got everything here. Yeah, yeah, they got everything here. Um, and they fucking thrash this mall. Oh yeah, they they completely destroy it and i was like i'm me watching it now i'm going oh i grew up in that time period that's like all the stories i knew so i remember malls like this i remember when malls weren't half empty God, i wish <laughs> i could drive through them like this um but uh one of the cars flips over yep and uh they lose them they lose them the other car smashes into a into a thing in a grocery store and they take off they're gone right Yes. And so they uh, drive back downtown where they're going to go to this shithole that 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 uh, Elwood lives in. Elwood's staying right. at, yeah. Mm-hmm. But as they're putting stuff away, a red a red Cadillac drives up, right? Yeah. What, is, what does the red Cadillac do? Well, 
there's a there's a mystery woman in that Cadillac, mm-hmm. and she pulls out a rocket launcher <laughs> and shoots the rocket at the Blues Brothers, and then takes off, and they and just then takes off, dust themselves off, and go in anyway. Yeah, like they they they're they're very difficult to phase. These guys, they're just mm-hmm. like, well, whatever, we, we're okay. So mm-hmm. they meet the guy who's watching boxing on a little TV. He's got my favorite voice ever because it's obviously dubbed. He goes, uh, I the guy who wanted to do. And he gives him a note. It's probably the parole officer for Jake. They throw it away. Um, Elwood gives the man his cheese whiz. Yep. You yeah. get my cheese whiz? You're my cheese whiz, boy. <laughs> and he throws him a can of cheese whiz. <laughs> they go into the, um, I don't know what it is. It's not even a bedroom. Whatever the hell it is that Elwood's yeah. in. It's like, it's a, supposedly a studio. I don't think it has a bathroom. Um, Elwood's making dinner, which is toast. Unless, yeah, just to spoil it on the head, that's the only thing that he eats, apparently, is toast. Yeah, he's a picky eater. And they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they're like, don't worry, we're going to go out. We're going to get these guys. Now, there's some, I have, I have the, I have a lot of stuff restored on my version. I don't know why. There's a lot of stuff that was mm-hmm. cut out because they cut out a shit ton for this mm-hmm. movie. Um, and one of them was, of course, he brings up that he has to quit his job. That's taken out. It wasn't needed. So they're just talking back and forth about what their next steps are going to be. Jake falls asleep. Elwood sits in the in the window, looks out the window, and then it's you know it's over. That's a nice little scene. Next next morning, they're both asleep. Lady drives up. She's still got the thing. <laughs> There's some cops there with John gun candy, and they're like, "Okay, let's go. Let's go get these guys." It's the two same guys that lost them while they were chasing them the previous right. night. Uh, they go in. Everyone is you know sleeping, and then. She- she blows up the building. She blows up the building. Now, thankfully, it's the kind of movie where no one dies in it. I guess the Blues Brothers. Right, get up. everybody's uh, at least all the all the characters we've been introduced to previously are fine. <laughs> they get out. They get out of the the wreckage. The whole building is collapsed. And Dan argues, "Oh shit, we got to get going." Because he looks at his watch, and they take off. And then right after they're gone, you see the cops come come out. Right. Yeah. And that's it. That's 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 what they did. That was the whole scene. Then they go and find this lady who tells them where to go to find some other guys from their band. Right. And right. she thinks she I think she thinks they're cops at the very beginning. And what right. Is, what because is, they what have that, that line where he, he mm-hmm. says or she says, are you no, cops? Ma'am. And he says, no, ma'am, we're musicians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she comes running out and go, Mr. Man, Mr. Man, they live this bind as a card. Oh, my God. It's yellow. The business card. It's called Murph of Magic Cones, right? And in the corners right. it says disco, polka, parties, and weddings. It's like <laughs> these are these are rhythm blues artists, and they're feeling bad, so they drive up to the Holiday Inn, right? Yep. Uh, to uh, what's uh, what's the name of the song? Oh God, damn it, Peter Gunn, the Peter Gunn theme. They get in there, and there's Murph of the Magic Cones, and they're singing some of the worst fucking music you possibly imagine. <laughs> no one gives a shit about any of them, and uh, they watch the they watch them play, and they're going to sit down with them, and that's where we get uh, that's where we get Willie Hall, Willie Two Big Hall says, "So Jake, you're out. How you been? What you doing? What you been up to? You have our money, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> And so Ugh. they're talking, and they're talking about okay. Well, we're gonna get the band back together. We're on a <laughs> we're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. <laughs> and they tell them who they can't get. Like they're never gonna get Mister Fabulous. 
Right, because he has made, a good job. He, he's he's told, a maitre d' at a fancy restaurant. He's pulling down six G's a week. There's no way they're going to be able to. Don't be able to get him. But uh, Matt Guitar Murphy and what's his name? He's the one. He said, "Don't worry, we're going to we're going to take care of that. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get him. Don't don't worry." He's so cut to the Shea, whatever it's called, the Shea. Oh God, I can't remember the name of it. The French restaurant, the Shea Paul. Fabulous, the Shea Paul. They walk up, and Mister Fabulous goes, "I thought you have five years." Because when you got five years, and got the they, behavior. yeah, got out. He didn't even say that. He just says, "Come, my my brother and I wish to sample this restaurant's board affair." And they walk in. <laughs> meanwhile, Elwood has in that time checked one of the cabinets to see if it was locked, and also looked into the main dining room where everyone stopped to stare at. Right, right. So this is a very fancy, fresh French, very very uh, French restaurant. Paul Rubens comes out and has his line. <laughs> Where he, where they order what is it? What is they order, Steve? They order some kind of wine, right? They order like a really fancy champagne. I would like four four shrimp cocktails and some bread. Oh, for that's my right, brother. Some and bread some bread for my brother. For my brother, <laughs> because Elwood only eats toast. <laughs> and apparently, Jake always orders in fours because we uh-huh. get that, that comes four back fried later. chickens. Yeah, four fried chickens yeah. and a coke. Um, everyone else is reacting to him because they're making a bunch of noise and they're being really, really loud. He comes yes. out and tries to convince him, please, come on, let me take you somewhere where we get a cup of coffee. And they you know we're putting the bag, get bang back together. And, and Mr. Fabulous is like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting back to you. Come on. He's like, if you don't. <laughs> so then he has to leave to calm down some other people. And the, the, the asshole that's next to him who asked them to be seated so that they could move because the gentleman yeah. next to them smelled bad. Right. Oh my God. John Belushi starts asking the man if he could buy <laughs> their daughters. Okay, may I sell me your daughters? Sell me your children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Sell me your children. Your wife, the two little girls. How much? What? <laughs> your, your daughters, your women. I want to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fabulous comes back and he says, if you don't join, rejoin the band, we're going to come back here for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of the week. Every day. And, and then Elwood takes this huge wad of fucking bread and shoves it in his mouth. And he's like, fine. <laughs> he, he, give, he gives in. He's like, fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. Next day, we're at the park. Boy, oh boy, it's a fun day at the park, isn't it, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're having there's some kind of uh of a public gathering. <laughs> you know, just some people, just 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 some people having a good time at the park, having a little, you know. So do we have having a, bunch a little of rally? Illinois fucking Nazis on bridge. Yes. Did you know Let- that the thing, the Pledge of Allegiance that Henry Gibson says is almost word for word from the California Reich, which is a book about, you know, the you know, uh, America's Socialist White Party is what they call it. So it's, yeah. they didn't make it up. That's from their yeah. fucking. I bullshit. just all all I know is it's the least funny Henry Gibson laughing poem I've ever heard. <laughs> I think he's great. He's anyway, fantastic. He's fantastic uh, in this. They stop uh, the Jacob would stop a cop and they say, "What's going on?" And he says, "Oh, they won their right. They won their their case in court. Their lawsuit or something." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I said, who did? And he said, the fucking Nazi party. And that's when Jake goes, Illinois Nazis. I fucking hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah. And I get to be reminded that this film was made in a bygone era when the cops were against the Nazis. <laughs> oh, that must have been nice. That must have been so nice. 
So instead, they get out of because the, they're backed up in line because these guys are blocking the bridge. They pull out of the line right. and they run them all off the off the bridge. And they jump <laughs> they the run them off in, into the water. Yeah, it's great. And the lead Nazi goes, "I want you to find out everything you can about that car." And he's like, "Yes, sir." Yeah. Then we cut to see the sea shave scene where we get to see um, John Lee Hooker perform. That's right. Yeah, because they, they they're, this is their they're on their way to the to the mm-hmm. diner, right? And they pass and they, through. Yeah, they walk through a real neighborhood. Yeah. Um, in Chicago, which is Maxwell Street. Um, unfortunately, the whole block was torn down in 1995. Yeah. To build two dorms for the, the University of Chicago, um, which fucking sucks. I fucking hate them. Anyway, but I did get to see it before it was torn down. So there was, was a good thing. At least I well, got what go. I wanted. Anyway, they go. <laughs> At least I got what I wanted. They go in and they meet Aretha Franklin, right? Right. They She's order. she She runs the diner. Yeah. Yep. And they don't see they don't see Matt Katar Murphy anywhere, so they order. And they say, What what does Jake order? Jake orders four fried chickens and a Coke. Yeah. And Elwood orders uh Elwood orders white toast dry. dry white toast. <laughs> she goes back and she tells Murphy this, and he recognizes them both from their orders. Right. Right. He comes out, they chit chat about prison food for a little while, and they say, We're getting the bad back together. And he's like, Sure, my wife doesn't want to be back together. Be quiet. Yeah. And she, of course, hears this because she's standing in the room with them. She's like, <laughs> she's like I'm go. right over here, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not <laughs> you're not gonna run off with your hoodlum friends. <laughs> and she says, Woman, yeah. you're gonna do what I say, and then they break into a musical number, don't they? Yeah, they, she sings Think, one of her classic songs. One of her yeah. classic songs. And it's great. And everyone's singing and dancing and doing yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. She's great. I don't know why she didn't act in more movies. Oh, I really she's like so her good in this. In this. She's mm-hmm. so good in this. Yeah. And then he goes, let's, he grabs his guitar, which happens to be sitting right there, turns to Blue Lou and says, let's boogie. And they leave. Right? Well, he doesn't. Look, sits there. And right. She's like, well, she, what yeah. are you waiting Aretha for? Aretha said, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the last line in the movie, shit. Shit. <laughs> now we cut to my second favorite. One of my second favorite. All oh, this is my favorite scene. They go to Ray's music emporium. Oh, yes. <laughs> where well, and of the, course okay, Ray so is everyone okay. knows that Ray Ray Charles is is blind, but yes. the movie pretends like it doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so um they come in, they're looking over stuff, you know. He's like, Hey, um, do you remember you remember me? You know. Jig Blues, we ordered some amps from you. Remember, we rented some. And like the other guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, Murph. Murph said, "Hey, you remember us? You God, what was it that he bought? He bought uh, amps. He he rented amps. He bought amps from them for uh, I think nine thousand a piece because yeah. they were posted in red and red fucking red um, red velvet or yeah and red, and uh, Ray says mm-hmm. I'll buy them back from you for what three hundred and fifty a piece three, or something yeah yeah and he says oh you know markups man. And then Murph says, what about this keyboard? It doesn't seem out of life in it. And then we're like, oh, boy, you're setting him up. You're setting him up. He's going to sing. He's going to do a song. <laughs> uh, but before that can happen, um, the kid from Die Hard. That's his name. <laughs> he's like 10. Uh, yeah. tries, to, tries to steal the guitar. He's reaching up for it. Ray just whips out a pistol and shoots twice. <laughs> shoots he's at him. Doesn't, doesn't, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, it breaks my heart to see a boy that young go wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. and then uh he he says oh i think there's some life in that keyboard and then we have another musical number 
that's great. And there's dance troops from all of Chicago who showed up for this musical number because they're dancing in the street, yeah. they're dancing up in the subway. This isn't a fucking set. It's everything is out there. No. I'm thinking musical number ends. And then they tell, okay, we'll take these axes. And I was like, of course, you're going to be giving me an IOU. And I was like, oh, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. So there's a tiny little problem. They told their band they're getting back together and they told them they're going to be playing, but they don't have anywhere to play. They haven't booked any actual gigs. They yet. haven't booked. But, so they yeah. go to, they go into the, they go into, both of them stuff themselves into an old tiny pay, pay, pay phone. Now, guys, yeah. I know that the younger of you don't know you know what a payphone is, and I'm not going to explain it to you. But they get in a payphone and they're arguing back and forth. <laughs> and they say they're going to contact Max Sline, who is their old, you know, their old agent. Yeah. And he goes, that's a great idea, but what are you going to do tonight? I don't know. And then the lady who tried to kill them before shows up again and, <laughs> with and blows a up the phone booth <laughs> with a flamethrower. Yes. It blows up the propane, propane tank next to them. They go flying into the air. They come back dead. She takes off. They come back down and crash on the ground. And Elwood goes, hey, there's got to be at least $7 worth of quarters here. And they start reaching <laughs> yeah, for From them. the phone, yeah. yeah. They're driving down. Jake is lying to them the whole time, saying we're going to find a place. And then he finally drives up to the, I can't remember the name of the place. Um, um, it's Bob's Country Bunker. Bob's Country Bunker. Yes. And they're going to pretend to be the good old boys. The name of the, right. the name the band, of the that, band. That is supposed to be there that fortunately has not shown up yet. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, wait, that's wrong. It's supposed to say the Blues Brothers, not the good old boys. They go in, they con them all, and they start playing their rhythm and rhythm blues. And they get pelted. There's chicken wire around the, the performance area. And mm -hmm. they start getting pelted by, by booze and you know, by beer and everything. It's just right. like an after fix. Because it's a it's a country western bar, and these are rednecks, and they want to hear country music, and they don't want to hear blues and R and B. So they come up with <laughs> a compromise. Hmm? Yeah, I had to fix my oh. microphone. Sorry. Okay, so they come up with a compromise, and uh, they play the theme from Rawhide. That's right. And, and that I got those pacify the crowd. <laughs> and they love it. Uh, they throw just as many beer bottles at them. Um, and then they play what was it, Stand by Your Man? Yes. Which is defective. And then they play all night. And then it's time for them to leave, and the bartender tells them what. Well, yeah, because uh Jake asks about their money, and the bartender says, Well, you know, the deal was for two hundred, but you boys drank three hundred worth of beer, so mm -hmm. you actually owe us. And Jake says, Okay, well, I'll just go outside real quick. And take up a collection from the band, and I'll be right, right. back, and I'll give you. Mm -hmm. I got to go write the check on the dashboard, and he's got to endorse it while we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I got to get in the car. <laughs> and they take off. Meanwhile, the fucking RV with the good old boys pulls up. The real band it, finally shows mm -hmm. up, incredibly late. Yeah, he says, "You're the good old boys. Who were they?" And they take off after him. Right, and the RV, right. and uh, they turn a corner, and the RV turns over, <laughs> being chased by the because they, they pick up a, another cop while they're being chased, right. and the cop is the same one that got thrashed at the mall, same ones that tried to pull them over the house, and they get knocked over, and the the cop car is destroyed, and the RV is kind of knocked over on its side, and they get the pulls, they they pull their guns on them and say, "Boys, you're in a lot of trouble." Then we meet Max Line in a song. Yes. And they're saying, Max, we need to get a place. We got to raise all this money. We need $5,000. And he said, boys, I'll tell you what. There's a place called the Palace Hotel Ballroom. It's up north. You fill that, and I'll split the money with you. Awesome. They only <laughs> they have the Blues Brothers who are in their towels, and they leave. And the entire time, the rest of the band is sitting in a corner. In the, <laughs> We've never the seen them. They've been the whole time, but they've been there the whole time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now they got to get the word out. So all the kids from the... 
from the orphanage are going to put the word out thanks to thanks to um what's his name and uh, they steal <laughs> okay this part's not in it but they steal a loudspeaker from a playground and stick it on top of the the blues brothers car and they're just yeah. running around telling everybody about the blues brothers and they keep doing it and doing it until they run out of gas and they have no yep. way to get to the venue they get to the venue and um Curtis is there and he says, uh, Oh, you boys better play tonight because we ought to fill this place up because we already used $5,000 for the orphanage. One of the stilted lines in this is, I, I don't know who says it. What do you mean? It's something, it's something even shorter yeah. than that. Now, in the movie, what happens in the original movie, they just cut. In the extended edition that I have, Curtis explains to them that the Blues Brothers have agreed to give all the profits for the band to the orphanage. Right. And the band goes, What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what? Mm, so they're stuck at the gas station now because the gas station doesn't have any gas. The tanker's late, right? Yeah. Um, Elwood hits on Twiggy for a little while. For a little <laughs> right. Bit. Says, if you're not doing anything, let's meet up at the motel room. Um, the cops are there. The boy, the cops are there. The cops are at the Palace Hotel because they saw the poster. Oh, yeah. Because they know it's the they, these are the guys they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because they've shown every character that we've met so far hanging up the poster. It's like there's <laughs> there's a Reverend Cleophas hanging up the poster and looking at it, putting on posters. The, oh, boy. Ray puts I'm one only, I'm only laughing at this because Ray Charles was in on the joke. They asked him yes. if they could do it. He said it was funny. And so he agreed to it. <laughs> In which they show Ray putting up the poster and looking at it and nodding. And the poster is upside down. <laughs> the poster is upside down. <laughs> which is funny because, like you said, in the in the in the previous scene, the joke was that, that he's not blind. They're pretending he's not blind when clearly he is. So <laughs> we're still doing that. He's like, oh, I'll just hang this poster up just because it's 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 framed perfectly. Like it's yes, it exactly is. it's exactly horizontal of you know, like it, you know, it's perfectly straight up and down, but it's mm. upside down. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, everyone is becoming a little bit. Um, everyone's becoming a little bit um, impatient because the Blues Brothers aren't there. Yeah. And they're yeah. and the crowd is it's full. It's got a full crowd, and they're getting a little rowdy. So what do we get? What present does this movie give us? <laughs> oh boy! Well, of course, their old friend Curtis is there. Well, of course. And he and says, do you all know Minnie the Moocher? <laughs> and they say, of course we do. Mm -hmm. And he says, all right, let's go. One, two, three, four. And the curtain rises. And all of a sudden, it's a jazz club from the 30s. Mm -hmm. And everybody's dressed in white. And we get mm -hmm. to see Cab Calloway perform Minnie the Moocher. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so there we go. So we get to see him do that while they sneak through the parking lot. And they do some things to the cars like what he 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 adds he puts glue on the accelerator of the the funking yeah because the because the country band is there again the good old boys is there along with all the, the basically all the people who are, who are trying to kill them have <laughs> come to the show all the cops yeah. the 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 fucking band the fucking cowboy band um and thankfully they sabotage a lot of the cars well, actually they only sabotage the in the original version they only sabotage the the um the country boys whatever they're called right right um in a, in the uh pre-cut they sabotage all almost all the cars that are there including the cop cars um which doesn't explain how they got cop cars later so it's kind of yeah because yeah because yeah. I think the the idea is like they they're sort of thinking ahead they know that they're going to have to make a break for it at some point mm -hmm. if they're going to get away to pay the tax bill so they're kind of trying to buy themselves some time 
you know, by sabotaging the cars. But yeah, you're right. Like mm-hmm. as soon as they leave and as soon as everybody, as soon as everybody who's after them realizes that they've left, that, that the chase starts immediately. Like there's no, you know, sabotage vehicle stuff. Mm-hmm. Once, once they the chase do, starts. they, they sneak in. The cops have decided to have an orange whip. <laughs> yes. Oh, John Candy suggestion. John John, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um, and then they get introed, which I memorized because I had to perform it along with two songs that I memorized that I had to perform it. They perform two <laughs> songs and then they're they meet a guy on the side of the on the side of the stage. He says, You guys, this is typical. You guys are great. How would you like to sign us in? They make these arrangements, and one of the arrangements is he offers the money, right? He offers the money yes. to sign. And he says, Take fourteen hundred of this and give it to Ray's music and for him. So he remembered Ray. Ray got his money. Right. Give the rest of the band, which means they're going to get paid more than they originally told them they were going to get paid. Yeah. And then they said, is there any way out of here that <laughs> we can see yes, that the cops are here? <laughs> and said, oh, yeah, just behind the drummer. You can sneak out there. And they're like, thank you. And they, they fucking sneak out, right? And they're in the tunnels underneath it. And what happens? They're getting trying to get away. They have to get to oh, the assessor's they, office they, yeah, to give they, them the money. Yeah. They run into the mysterious woman. Who and has who been hunting them the... this entire time? And she has well, now has an M15. She yeah. has a machine gun. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out she is Jake's ex fiance, mm-hmm. who he apparently left at the altar. <laughs> like the wedding was ready to go. Like everybody was there. She was there. The, everybody mm-hmm. was there. And, and he just didn't show up. And so then with her pointing a gun at them, we get, <laughs> we get John Belushi. Again, one of my favorite parts of the movie, um, where he begs for their lives <laughs> by saying it wasn't his. He makes every excuse imaginable, mm-hmm. one after the other after the other, even though they all contradict each other. Yep. You know about why he couldn't make it, and he gets on his knees and he's crying and pleading and begging, and he even, as his ultimate final move, he takes off the sunglasses, and for the mm-hmm. only time in the movie, we see John Belushi's face. Mm-hmm. Yep. He pleads with her. And she melts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she melts. Yep. And he kisses her. (laughs) And he kisses her and then he shoves her out of the way. He drops her on the ground. (laughs) And he says, okay, let's go. And they they run for it. Yeah. And now, so now they climb into the car. They have the epic line. You remember what that is? Um, We've got a, it's 106 miles to Chicago. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We have a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. (laughs) And we're wearing sunglasses. Let's go. Hit it. And then they take off, and now starts the one of the best car chases ever because they didn't yeah. give a shit. It was just like, yeah, sure, we'll have everyone. So all the cops are chasing them. Along, uh, uh, the good old boys start <laughs> the good old boys start changing them, and they can't slow down because they've glued the accelerator, and they pass all the cops, <laughs> and they pass the Blues Brothers, and they they fly off in a back lot in, in uh, the Universal Studios, and they land in the yeah. they land in a river. And he says, "Not a fucking word." And they're out of the movie. They're out of the movie. Good. That's it. So now the cops are chasing them. Elwood says, I got to pull over, which means I think he needs to go to the bathroom, but he doesn't pull over. What he does is he changes lanes through the median, which is sloped. Yeah. And all the cops that chase him fucking crash. (laughs) Eliminates quite a few of the cops chasing him because there's a humongous pile up rolling down the hill. Yeah. Cut briefly to Twiggy, who is waiting at the motel. Uh, well, sorry. First, we cut. Uh, it's still nighttime when she's doing. They cut to her. She's in there. The next day and the next morning, they're still chasing him. They go down this massive bankment. They all crash. The cop with the um, uh, what is his name? Captain Mount. I can't remember his name. Uh, John Candy, Captain Mount. The other one. Yeah. 
go back up the other side, use it as a ramp that goes through the air, and they land inside of a truck. And that's yes. where John Candy does that great line. <laughs> Which car are we? <laughs> <laughs> We're inside a truck. We're inside Last, a truck. Now they're out of the movie. So much for them. So they um, they cut to what the Nazis has instructed everyone to do is listen to the radio. Eventually they'll yeah. fuck up and then we'll have them. And that's when he hears them. They're all chasing the Blues Brothers. And he gets up and he goes, we're going to go get them. So they load into a car that they've we've already established has been part of their thing, which is a fucking Pinto. They drive yeah. around a station wagon and a Pinto. Meanwhile, the cops are trying to block them from entering the city, and they get around that, and they 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 drive like a fucking maniac through downtown San, through downtown. Uh, oh my God! Yes, yeah. Chicago. Chicago. They have another massive pileup <laughs> where after all the cars have crashed into, like thirty cars have crashed into each other. While the cops gets out of the car and starts shooting at them, which isn't the first time that they've been shot out several times during this race. And did we miss the part where the the, the cop that we hear on the police radio they say oh. you have been authorized? <laughs> you have been authorized to use unnecessary, unnecessary force. Unnecessary not, violence against the unnecessary yeah. has been approved. <laughs> Unnecessary, <laughs> but because of the pilot, pilot, they lose the police tail. But who do they pick up instead? It's the fucking Nazis. The Nazis, the Nazis yeah. The Nazis are shooting at them. They hit something because oil starts. Oh no! It's they blew a rod. Which technically, that car should not be running at it. Right. The car yeah. should not be. If you blow a rod in your engine, your car ain't running anymore. But it's still doing it. It's spraying oil and stuff on it. Jake's trying to clean it off. The Nazis are chasing him. They go onto. <laughs> They go onto an on-ramp that hasn't been completed. Elwood slams on his brakes and almost goes off it. Hits it in reverse. The car literally does a somersault over the over the, <laughs> over the top. Over, over ends the up behind because, the Nazis. Because remember, something that we thought was a joke is that they're on a mission from God. It's not a joke anymore. They actually are on a mission from God. <laughs> the Nazis look behind them and we've tried, while they're trying to figure out how they did that, they go shoot off the ramp. <laughs> This is the thing that they actually had to get. They had to have it certified that the that the the car that they were dropping was going to drop like a stone. If it was aerodynamic at all, yeah, it had to drop straight down if they're going to drop it. Yeah, but they dropped an actual goddamn Pinto because they actually that's how they get this shot. They dropped a car. Yeah, yeah. The henchman turns to the lead Nazi and says, "I've always loved you." And they hit the street and make a huge pothole. And <laughs> they Elwood crash right through the street. Elwood jumps over, and then the rest of the henchmen jump, uh, crash into. And now they've made it to the, I think it's the Daily Building, right? It's, da- it's Daily it. Plaza, yeah. Daily yeah. Plaza. And uh, they get up to the front, and they blockade the, 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 the front. They wait for the elevator. They go up to the elevator. This is all the this is all they do. They go up to the elevator while we're cutting to SWAT and the army and the cops. <laughs> yeah, they're closing in on their position. Yeah. Storming this building. And the best thing, one of the funniest things in the world, is all of them are saying, hut, 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 hut. Yeah, as, they, as, of running, the, as they go, yes. And they extend this joke to the fact that they are being that they show these guys who are spelunking down the sides of the building on their own, like the single guy doing taking a line, just climbing down one of the columns, and you hear him yeah. just by himself, hut, 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 hut. <laughs> that's that's their training. They're trained uh-huh. to do it. Sure. They get up to the building where the tax assessor's office, they blockade that. They barricade that door. And there's a sign on the front door that says back in five minutes. (laughs) Um, Then Steven Spielberg eating a sandwich comes up and (laughs) he processes their their, their tax lien 
He gives them the receipt, and the minute they get the, the, the receipt, you hear the clicking of every single rifle, and there's like 90 guys, all of them pointed at Jake and Elwood, um, and I guess they're going to jail. Right, Steve? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Cut to them in prison, and they're singing for the prisoners, and they're starting a riot. What are they singing? They're singing um, Jailhouse Rock. Jailhouse Rock. What else? Yeah. Um, we cut to everybody who's, who's singing. You know, all the other people in the movie, like uh, Aretha Franklin and all the people who appeared and Steve Lawrence. And then they do this great thing. And I wish more more movies would do this. The very last one is the entire crew singing Jailhouse Rock. The crew, yeah. And it just says crew. Yeah. And I would have also loved it if they didn't have any, if they didn't have any credits after that. It's all it said and then it was over. That was the end. Yeah. Uh, Legally, I don't. Legally, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. You need to. Yeah. They need to have the credits. But, um, but yeah. Yep. And then it's over. Steve, what, yes, did sir. You think, what did you think about this movie that will hurt me if you don't like it? <laughs> oh, the Blues Brothers. It's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's terrific. It's I, one thought I had as I was watching it yesterday and I had it again as we were talking about it just now. Think about this movie compared to pretty much any other Saturday Night Live movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's in a completely different universe. This is the I grounded mean, one. This is the most. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, Jesus. this is this is the one. It's so it's and and it's so weird because like we mentioned it earlier, like the Blues Brothers wasn't even a sketch. Like the Blues Brothers was literally no. just two guys fucking around. Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of a premise, it's the flimsiest one. And yet it's one of the only movies based on a Saturday Night Live sketch that feels like an actual movie. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel like something they're just putting out there to cash in on something that's popular. Like it feels yeah. like a real made by real filmmakers, you know, like if because you didn't it was because like, it was yeah. absolutely if if you didn't know who the Blues Brothers were, if you didn't know about Saturday Night Live, if you just watch this movie cold, it makes complete sense. It's still great. You don't have to know mm-hmm. anything about the Blues Brothers before you watch the movie. Um and yeah, I mean, it's and you mentioned it when we first started talking. It's it's mm-hmm. a comedy musical action movie. There aren't too many more of those. I mean, nope. it's and it's good at all three things, which is mm-hmm. the most amazing thing. It's an incredible combination of action and comedy um, and and does both so well, like yeah. comedically, comedically, it has this wild anything can happen quality that is just endlessly entertaining i mean and it has it it has slapstick and parody and satire and witty dialogue and it's all tied together with this sense of absurdity you know that that sort of unifies the whole thing like i mentioned when we were going through the Mm -hmm. the recap like i love the little details about like the door closing itself at the orphanage and the (laughs) nun floating like a some kind of supernatural being Mm -hmm. um you know, the weird little character quirks like Jake always ordering things in fours and ordering mm-hmm. just an absurd amount of food and Elwood just ordering toast and, you know, just little things like that that, that don't mean anything, that are just absurd details to to give it like, um, you know, a funny, strange sort of quality. 
Um, and as an action movie, I mean, you said it before, and I agree with you. It's a it, it's a better it's a better car chase than I've seen in most straight action movies. Never mm-hmm. mind other comedies. Like the that final car chase is so good. Just you know as why? A, as an you know action. why? Yeah, a lot of car chases they're undirected. I got to get right. away from this person, or I got to catch this person. In this case, we knew exactly. We were told we need to get from here. Chicago to the tax assessor's office. This is why we're doing this. This is why we're driving right. this house, right? They weren't necessarily trying to escape the police. It was just that was secondary. They were being chased by the cops. That's the they were trying to get somewhere. And mm-hmm. the movie has spent the entire movie setting up people to chase them. Mm-hmm. So, like that, it's not just a car chase that kind of happens. It's the culmination of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. they've been building to it for the whole thing. And it's not. I mean, it's it's funny. Like a lot of those those cop car pileups are staged in such a way like when they when those cop cars pile up rolling down that hill like that is genuinely hilarious mm-hmm. but it's also impressive because like they really wrecked all those cars like that's mm-hmm. not cgi that's not that's not models like they really wrecked all those cars i'll give um, you an example in the mall yeah. john yeah. landis is well, the one that he's driving right the car mm-hmm. flips over and it's skidding on its roof and we cut to a shot of them skidding on the roof right John yeah. Landis is holding his hat on, and the other guy is <laughs> has his face covered. <laughs> then the the cop car gets knocked, so it starts spinning. And right. so of course we cut back to them while they while it's spinning, and they bow both of both of their eyes covered and screaming while the car is spinning. And then finally, yeah. at the end of it, the car stops, and the co-pilot says, "They broke my watch." <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and not only after we've seen like they've mm-hmm. they've they've destroyed this entire they've mall like they've driven, both the cops and them have destroyed this mall. yeah they've driven through every storefront they've i mean yeah and that's the thing like the action works with the comedy and works with this like unrestrained chaos kind of vibe that the movie has because it's like it really feels like they could do anything like they're mm-hmm. they, if they could imagine it in this movie, they're going to try it. And so yeah. you have this anything can happen possibility about it. And, you know, and yeah, that, that car chase through Chicago at the end. I mean, it's and as we talked about earlier, like some of it is because they there are shots in it where they are genuinely going incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's not just that. It's also it's the way the whole thing is shot. It's the way it's cut it. You get such a sense of speed and of danger in that car chase. Mm-hmm. And it really is. It's a fan. It, never mind the movie it's in, never mind comedy and anything like that. Just as a technical and just a piece of kinetic cinema. Which also makes the comedy fantastic. work because they would they would cut into Jake and Elwood and all they're doing is commenting on things in Chicago. Yeah. That's all they're doing. Like, oh, yeah. the Daily Bridge. You know, it's still like that. Yeah, exactly. It's- which is the same thing they do in, in the mall, which makes mm-hmm. that funny too. It's like they're yeah, boy, this mall really has everything. Hey, look, mm-hmm. Pier One, you know, like yeah. and they're just Pier and they're one destroying imports. it. Yeah. This um, place has everything. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's I mean it's a great comedy, it's a great action movie. Uh I like the fact that it, they they spent yeah. that a mechanic spent months yeah. rigging that one of their cars to fucking fall apart when it reaches Daily Plaza. Oh, when they when they finally reach the yeah, when mm-hmm. they get out and they take two steps away from it and it just completely falls apart. Mm-hmm. And then we have a moment for the car for what the car did for them, right? Yeah. We just have a moment yeah. where we can take, they take a, a second to... before they yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, the timing of it is perfect, and it's a, and it's the perfect it's the perfect end to that chase. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, the chase isn't quite over because they go in the building and they have the bit where they're barricading the doors every time they go to another room, and that's and that's funny. But like the bit with the car through everything, yeah. (laughs) It's just it's so funny. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the 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 cast is fantastic. Like everybody is good. I know I always give Dan Aykroyd a hard time, and I do genuinely think he's very poor. He's very poor at his job most of the time, Mm -hmm. but he's good in this. He's good in this. And um, whether it was whether it was because of the material or because of Landis or Belushi or something else. But, yeah, he is very he's kept in a box. He doesn't do anything he's not good at, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's good as Elwood. And he gets some funny lines as Elwood. Um, And, you know, he's not bad at the musical stuff. I don't think either one of them are fantastic blues singers, but they're good. Like they're good enough, you know. Um, that is Dan Aykroyd playing and, the harmonica. That so, yeah, that's Dan yeah. Aykroyd playing the harmonica. That, that's both of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Belushi doing this, doing the singing. Um, and he, and, I mean, and Belushi is so goddamn good. It's, I mean, it, 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 it. The fact that he died so young is tragic, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But when you watch him in this and you see how goddamn good he is, mm-hmm. and how good he is with, you know, because Aykroyd is playing. Elwood. Elwood is very clipped. Laconic. He's very clipped. And very yeah. and and very contained. And very mm. yeah. And just, you know, he's the guy who kind of talks out of the corner of his mouth and doesn't say a whole lot. Um, and and Jake is not that at all. Hmm. Like Jake is pretty much a normal person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, and and he's so funny. And I swear to God, that scene where he's begging for his life to carry Fisher <laughs> kills me. And because mm-hmm. it sneaks up on it, because it's not funny at first. Like it starts out, he's doing a basic, like, oh, please, baby, please. And then he My just keeps going with yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he keeps going with it. And he hits that stretch of just one excuse after another, after another, after another. And it just becomes so incredibly funny by the time mm-hmm. he gets to the end of it. It just fucking kills me. Um, and it's just amazing to see all these musicians. Like oh, that's yeah. the other thing. Like e- even if even if the comedy for whatever reason doesn't work for you, even if you don't, you're not impressed by the action. Mm-hmm. My God, all the fucking blues legends that are in this movie, and just mm-hmm. at just the perfect time where their careers, for the most part, had peaked, or in some cases were completely over. Like they were just has-beens, mm-hmm. but they were still alive and they were still young enough that they could perform, so they could, you know show an audience in the early eighties, what they had and why they were so renowned in their day. Um, and we got, the, we have this big budget Hollywood movie where, Holy shit, there's John Lee hooker. Holy mm-hmm. shit. There's Aretha, Fra- I mean, Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles and James Brown were around for a while after this, but I mean, cab Calloway wasn't, mm-hmm. um, and like there's cab, cab Calloway, Calloway doing died his- right after this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and there's cab Calloway on stage in a major classing, movie, do classing up to join, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. doing one of his great songs from the 30s. And mm-hmm. there it is. And he's great. And you know, it's just it's 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 that part of it alone is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um and the and the music is great and the the scenes that these musicians get the the handful of them that get to actually play scenes as well as do their songs like with Aretha and Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. Um I mean they're they're hilarious. Ray Charles is so goddamn funny in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he's hilarious. Um, and it's great to see. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't really have a whole lot else to say about it other than it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, it's three genres at once that we don't often see mixed together. We don't ever see what was the last <laughs> yeah. sci-fi action, com- not sci-fi action, comedy, yeah. musical, action, comedy, musical. And it's great at all three things. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so yeah, it's a great movie. That took the landing, despite what Dan yeah. Aykroyd tried to put on the screen. You know, <laughs> Landis Landis stepped in and he cut through all of that crap, right? He cut through all of it. Um, so no surprises. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's heavily influential on me, my sense of humor, everything. Um, I like taste of music. Uh, but what I what I really like about it is we don't get move, we don't get comedies like this anymore. No more. Yeah. No more. Hey, was there a whole lot of wild mugging, mugging in this movie? No. Any gross out you know? No, no. No one stuck on a toilet or having to pee or something? <laughs> no, no shit jokes or fart jokes or no cum jokes. No shit jokes or cum no. jokes or fart jokes or anything like that? No one no. actually put a booger on something and they ate it? Nothing like that? <laughs> that we actually had a comedy where the people were funny just because yeah. they were funny? Yeah. Not necessarily by what they said, but because the characterization was spot on. They made it yeah. funny. I mean... Frank Oz wasn't trying to make us laugh necessarily, but he we did, right? Yeah. He was playing a character. They were all playing a character. And eventually we find out just how funny those characters are. They've set on the, the plot is absurd. They it's kind of like this whole thing is a missing chapter of the modern Bible. You know, the, the <laughs> yes. book the book and Jeff, yes. Jake and Elwood, where God commands them to do a specific <laughs> thing to save a church, and they do their penance by going to prison, right? Mm-hmm. Probably for the rest of their lives. Who knows? <laughs> um, what I really like about this is that it is one of the last movies where we got like this. Shot on location, you know, a hundred fucking cars piled up on top of each other. I mean, I don't know what the budget was, but I mean, they they really had all It's great to juxtapose all these real stunts that are kind of funny to how Jake and Edward are are in the car. Right. Yeah. And you can see literally both of them sliding back and forth on that bench seat because they are actually in the car, actually doing the things. Yeah. But they're being professionals, man. They're doing their they're doing the lines and they're staying in character. Right. Who the fuck are we do? Who in the fuck now would do that? Right. What do you right. mean? We're not going to be in a, we're going to, I you know how many times I've seen green screen car chases now. I'm sick of it. Oh yeah. I'm sick of it. Like, this movie at least did that out of all the Saturday night movies. This is the only one that's any good as far as I'm concerned. And a lot of people, and right now out of the Saturday night live movies, it's number two between the two Wayne world movies. And I don't even remember the Wayne's world movies. Do you? Yeah, I, I do. I actually, I'm a fan of the Wayne's world movies. Are but, you? But see that. Yeah, I am. I do. I like both Wayne's world movies a lot, mm-hmm. but that's the thing. Like Wayne's world, as much as I like them, you know, they feel like Saturday night live movies. They feel like really good Saturday night live movies, mm-hmm. but this doesn't feel like that. This feels like, I mean, I keep saying this. I don't mean any disrespect to Wayne's world, but this feels like a real movie. This feels like a movie. You it's know? not a gimmick. Yeah. It wasn't a gimmick. Yeah. You know, they wanted, they, they had the story. They wanted to, people, the production companies were fighting over this. They really wanted to do it because right at the time, you know, SNL was hot. The mm-hmm. Blues Brothers had already come out with an album that stated number one, for God's sake. And they wanted to do this movie. They were comedy, musical with, the, and then, of course, then Ackroyd and, and Belushi left the show before this yeah. came out, and Belushi was in 1941 before this came out, and that fucking boy, oh boy, <laughs> boy, you know, Seamus Miller was lucky he had a cameo in this movie after 1941. But yeah, what I like about it is is that now most of these live performers, the performers that we see, they're all dead now, right? Yeah, like oh, all yeah. of them, yeah. Aretha Franklin and and Ray Charles, and all of them have passed away. But boy, it's nice to have their performances in a movie that I like watching. Then. Mm-hmm. um 
you know, saying, oh, remember this, remember that, remember the other thing? I think Frank Sinatra's biggest mistake was not making a movie in the 1980s before he passed yeah. away. At least yeah. one, right? He didn't do it. No, well, it sucks to be him. Now, the only people that people remember him is all going all the way back to whatever cameo appearances he had on TV, right? Or his last well, in, in terms of his In terms of his 70s. music. In terms of his music, because he was an as, actor. I mean, he did act in movies, as but in, in terms of his a, music. As yeah. a performer, as a musical performer, yeah. we don't have anything. Right. Not really. And so that's A couple sucks. TV specials, yeah. A couple of TV yeah. specials, whatever. The other thing is, is, this didn't inspire too many people to copy it. It made money. It made more than its budget, but its budget back. So it mm-hmm. made money for them. No one said, no one ran, ran up to him and said, hey, let's make a, they have to make a sequel. Because they didn't know that John was going to die, but, you know. Right. What do you want to do? They, they weren't clamoring. What they asked them was for, hey, could we have another movie? And now they made Neighbors, which was slowly. They made Neighbors, <laughs> which is terrible. Um, but they also had Ghostbusters coming out, right? Right. Had John been alive for Ghostbusters, I'm sure it would have been fine. I could totally see John playing Vegman. I mm-hmm. could totally see him playing Vegman and Ghostbusters. Oh, I think he, it would have been different, but he would have worked. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. So it is like the last, it's the last good movie. It's the movie that I like to think of because I hate Animal House. I would really, I really like to think of John Belushi in this, not only because I, you know, I love the uh, the Jake Blues character. I know way too much about them. Do you know that they're not real, real brothers? I didn't get that from the movie, but from the research, yeah, they're from the research. Blood they're brothers. blood. They're blood yeah. brothers. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I just like him. It mythologizes, mythologicalizes Chicago, but in a grounded way that I like. Like the places mm-hmm. in Chicago are real. Those neighborhoods are real. Yeah. You know, it didn't, it didn't like, oh, Chicago looks so pretty. It's like, that's because you're only showing the pretty parts of Chicago. Show everything about Chicago. And then maybe, you know, maybe I'll, I'll appreciate it. I liked it. I like seeing, I, it's kind of neat to see Chicago the way it used to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I know it's changed, whatever. <laughs> but I liked it. I liked the location. I like the music. I like the actors. I like the, the writing. I think it has a pretty good pace. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. overstay its welcome. And also, one of the things that I noticed about this, it wasn't afraid to take things a little slow for their setups on their jokes. Right? That's true. They took their fucking time. They knew exactly how much time they needed. For example, walking up the stairs towards uh, towards uh, Mary Sigmata's office. Mm-hmm. That took a little time. They just sprint up there. And we laugh, oh, ho, ho, look at that stairway. We, we let them go yeah. up it a little bit right before they're about to knock she says come in or no who is it <laughs> who is it jake and elwood um and they did a lot of it they did a lot and they, they weren't bump payoffs either right and they would do things in one place and they expect us to remember what they did like gluing the, the accelerator down right they we'd hope that we'd remember it i'm glad that someone i'm glad john landis went in and just really cut down the script it was still really long when they were done and then they cut mm-hmm. it down again to yeah. get it to a get it to a running time that people could sit through because I don't even know if I could sit through that much time on it. There's a lot they cut out. There's like you know you know uh, Elwood worked. Elwood had a job. We had to yeah. go to the job to watch him quit. And I'm like, and someone said, "What is the point of that?" And I went, "Yeah, what is? The yeah, point of that? we don't need that. Yeah, exactly. So we quit. Big deal. Did we even need to know he had a job? And they cut that whole thing out so that we even talked yeah. about him having a job at that point. And they let certain things talk about their character." Right, the guy is shouting for Elwood to give him his cheese whiz. Says yeah. more about Elwood's character than anything else. <laughs> Elwood is a decent guy, right? 
Yeah. Jake's a little bit of a scumbag. Jake lies a lot. Jake lies <laughs> yeah, see, a that, lot. Oh, my God. To, to, to everybody, to uh, pretty much everybody except Elwood that we see. He, he lies to the Dude, band Elwood. by telling them that they have a gig when they don't. Mm-hmm. He, he, he fucking fucked Carrie Fisher over so bad that apparently he broke her brain and turned he her into her a brain. mass murderer. Do you notice <laughs> that they give us a kind of a hint when she's sitting there reading the flamethrower instructions? There are three yeah. pictures around the picture, and they're all of her and Jake. Uh, her and Jake. And Jake is wearing yeah. his suit with his hat and his yeah. tie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I oh, mean, yeah. It's, it's just one of those movies where I like it. Uh, the characters, they don't overwrite anything. Dan Aykroyd. They don't overwrite anything into the into the yeah. script, so it's just there. It exists. You know, they do almost nothing for the for the Illinois Nazis to get us to hate them, but we hate them, don't we? Because well, they're sure. bricks. Because they're fucking Nazis, and we get Although, we see a little bit of their Nazi rally. So no, seriously, mm-hmm. they're fucking Nazis. They're fucking yeah. Nazis. It's okay to hate them. Yeah, and uh, and we kill them. <laughs> yeah, in an epic way, we dropped them from the sky. Oh my god, that fun, that drop too! It's like, what oh my god, fuck? I was like, I, I was like, I was like watching it this time, going, "Holy shit, is that the Sears Tower? Are they yep. somehow higher than the Sears Tower? How high was that highway that they jumped off of? It's fantastic! It's fantastic! <laughs> and I just love their faces when they're up in the air. They, they don't know what to do. They just rather than <laughs> oh, overplay, shit. rather than overplay that scene where they're screaming, yeah. right? Oh, like yeah. typical because that, like, yeah, that would not have been funny. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just That's falling and falling. You mentioned that, you, you, you mentioned earlier that, that like there's no mugging in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a very impressive feat, considering that Ackroyd is one of the leads. Um, oh, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, nothing is overplayed, which I like because I am someone who feels like overplaying a joke is almost always the wrong move. I think it's mm-hmm. almost always way funnier to underplay things overplaying and, a joke and, comes from a, a sense of insecurity yeah. where you're afraid that something's not working right so yeah yeah you were saying sorry yeah well and and they underplay almost everything and they 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 underplay things and they do things where for not not all the time but for some jokes like they'll they'll drop the punchline and then immediately cut to something else mm-hmm. like um the the joke about oh look there's about seven dollars worth of change in here mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which again goes to character because we've seen that they have money problems mm-hmm. you know so it makes sense with their characters um you know and yet it's but it, they don't they don't underline it and circle it they just nope. it's just a thing that happens and it makes mm-hmm. sense for the characters and then we move on immediately and it's like did you catch that Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, and it's just, it's hard to describe other than it's just funny. Like yep. it just works. So, Steve, yeah, classic or non classic? Oh, classic. Me too. Classic. Classic. And yeah. as far as I'm concerned, the only Saturday Night Live inspired movie that I like for the most part. Like, mm. un, like I've, I've seen them all and they run the gamut from the absolutely horrid. <laughs> Like oh my god! Like it's Pat to um, yeah. This one is the top. This is the one that they have to knock down. The Blues Brothers is the this one is, they yeah. have to fight for. Um, this is the best one, and this this is the best one. And it, like I said, it's it's the one that feels like they well, made a the movie. First and, one, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So yay, Steve. What are you going to not recommend? <laughs> you kind of, you almost sort of spoiled it for me earlier, but that's okay because I still want to talk about this movie. The okay. movie I'm going to not recommend is a movie that you mentioned earlier. 
mm-hmm. and this we did not we, we did not talk about this beforehand I, I picked this movie last night after i watched the blues brothers okay um so dan Aykroyd did write the blues brothers or co-write yes. it with john landis yes, mm-hmm. um and he also co-wrote some other movies some of which mm-hmm. like one of which was ghostbusters which is also a classic and others mm-hmm. which are not so classic um but there was this there was this movie where he not only wrote it but he also directed it and it's oh a movie God, not that one and it's and it is a movie that you mentioned earlier in the show and it is it is a little film starring chevy chase and dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. and to be more who was working off some kind of penance apparently and it's called nothing but trouble Oof. and it's a movie about chevy chase and demi moore and some really offensive stereotypes of brazilian people um taking a road trip they're supposed to be going to atlantic city but they get they get sidetracked on the way and they end up in this little town that is ruled by an ancient judge mm-hmm. played by dan Aykroyd in about 15 pounds of old person makeup mm-hmm. and he has his courtroom that is also in a haunted house apparently that he controls and uses to torture people that come through the town and it's fucking kill them he kills torture them and kill them yeah he kills people it's fucking terrible there's not a laugh in it actually there's one laugh for me because i actually i want i re i rewatched this movie to remember that to make sure that i was to to make sure that i would give a, a fully informed not recommendation um, there's one laugh and it's when digital underground shows up. Digital underground mm-hmm. was, was, was a big rap group in the, in sure. the late eighties and the nineties for you kids out there. And, um, and, and, uh, and Humpty hump, who's one of the members of digital underground, who he's mm-hmm. the one with the fake notes. He, he, they, he, they pull up to the courthouse and he gets out of the car and he describes it. I forget how he described, he says it can, he has a very distinctive, very deep voice. He has a voice he like talks, this. He talks like this and he talks about this. He says something like this is some clanned up bullshit or something like that. Like he makes some, some references. This is obviously a town run by racist white people. And basically we shouldn't be here. And it's, there's something about his delivery and that incredibly distinctive voice of his that mm. just made me laugh. And I was like, Oh, I wish he was in this more, <laughs> but, but he's not. Um, but yeah, it's awful. I mean, Chevy chase is the kind of actor that can work in certain roles, but he needs to be given very good material to work with. And he, has I've never no liked him. I've here. never liked Chevy chase. I, I like him in Christmas vacation in spite of myself. Like I watch him in Christmas vacation and I think this should not be working as well as it is. Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of movie that I think I should not, I should not be laughing at this as much as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think, I think in the right circumstance, he has, he has worked in the past, but I agree with you. He's generally not very good as far as I'm concerned. Um, he needs a very specific set of circumstances to succeed uh and Aykroyd is an absolute nightmare in this he's completely unleashed all of his bad instincts as a writer and a performer are mm-hmm. just completely loosed here it's just awful um and yeah so if you watch the blues brothers and you want to see the exact opposite of it <laughs> where everything is overplayed and you can see i mean it, it see it feels like kind of an expensive movie as well you see there's a lot and they they spent a lot of money to build these sets and set off these explosions oh no it was an extraordinarily expensive money it was an extraordinarily expensive yeah, movie and for absolutely nothing because it's not funny and there's not a moment where i give a shit about any of these people or what happens to any of them um so yeah i would say 
Do not watch. That's my not recommendation for nothing to lose. And I actually, I actually have a couple of quotes from reviews of the film. Some of these. No are good. I love um, them. I love okay. quotes. Quotes, quotes, so, quotes. The, Here's one from Dennis Schwartz of Dennis Schwartz movie reviews. Okay. It's only distinction. It's only distinction is that it is difficult to name a comedy that's worse. Um, it is pretty bad. I don't know if I would call it one of the worst comedies of all time, but it's pretty goddamn bad. Um, here's you're one from you're forgetting. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, there's a particular comedian that you absolutely hate. Uh huh. That's Jerry a Lewis. Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Jerry fucking Lewis. Um, at least he's not in it. Uh, <laughs> Luke Y. Thompson of New Times said, a train wreck that's hard to take your eyes off, which ain't to say you shouldn't try. Mm-hmm. There, there were a couple of, of reviewers I read that, of course, went for the obvious joke, which I can't blame them for, of referring to, you know, the title is nothing but trouble. So they framed their line in a review based on that. So here's one from Hal Hinson from The Washington Post, who says, it's nothing but trouble and agony and pain and suffering and obnoxious, <laughs> toxically unfunny, bad taste. <sighs> Although, as much as I enjoy that, I think I prefer this next one by Michael A. Smith of Nolan's Pop Culture Review, who simply says, nothing but crap. <laughs> Yeah, but my know. favorite, but my favorite quote, last one, my favorite quote is from Owen Gleiberman from Entertainment Weekly, whose review is simply two words: sheer hell. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, as you know, I have to counter your yes. fucking five stars or one stars <laughs> with my five stars. So here we go. Ready? Prepare for oh, the boy. mouth breathing. Dark Ambrose. Oh, this move is great. Dark and twisted with a unique kind of humor, and very underrated in this time. The setup of the set of the sets, the setup of the sets were amazing with junk lining every corner. That must have been hard. And the characters were unique and interesting and kind of gross in oh. a re- really cool way. What the, are you two? That uh, the way that yeah. I think was ahead of its time. The cast was phenomenal and did a fantastic job. And the story was fairly well written. If you like dark, bizarre, <laughs> twisted humor. Horror comedies, then if you like dark, bizarre, twisted horror comedies, then you dot 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 should give this movie a shot. I absolutely loved it. I'm glad I don't know you in real life. Let's go. (laughs) Exactly. This one one was pretty short. It just says, mate, just watch it. I'm going to assume you're from Australia, and so your opinion doesn't count. Sorry, Australian listeners, though, that you've seen the podcast. (laughs) I'd like to apologize to Australians everywhere for the same that Jason just said. Uh, Let's see, Jeffrey D. I don't know who these people are. I'm glad you put them in your review. Ben, Henry, and Marcus were right. This movie is both weird and hilarious, especially the ending. I remember the ending. It fucking sucked. I wasn't <laughs> even that high. I wasn't even that high. I wasn't. And I had by a the good way, time with it. The ending. The ending. Mm. For anybody who hasn't seen the movie, and hopefully this will not entice anybody to actually watch it. The ending is Chevy Chase. Crashing through a wall and leaving Maybe. a cartoon silhouette behind, mm-hmm. with an overdubbed, with an overdubbed line from him. Yes, and that was it. Yeah, last one. It's fucking garbage. It's fucking garbage. <laughs> Eric W. wrote, "This isn't a scary comedy movie. It's a well-executed tongue-in-cheek horror movie. It seems like this went over most people's heads at the time of release. I love it when people just naturally assume that they liked it and everyone else didn't get." Everyone else was wrong. The movie. <laughs> it was over. Um, yeah, it was over our heads. 
It's a far less traumatizing house of a thousand corpses with a sense of humor replacing the gore and depravity. It's a real shame. It's a blast of a haunted house adventure, and I wish there were more movies like it. Well, thankfully, you're never going to get your fucking wish, you weirdo. <laughs> How many dates ended with you? Let's watch this. You pull out a Let's watch nothing v- but trouble. Better VHS tape of nothing but trouble. Mm. I'm going to put on my, my little devil costume. Please don't. Mm. Okay, it's my turn. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie we just reviewed. It's 1980. And the, the movie I'm not going to recommend is a little movie called Herbie Goes Bananas. Oh, boy. Why bother? Why bother at this point? Why bother with Herbie winds up in South America somehow? <laughs> the little kid who finds him calls him Ocho. Want to know why he calls him Ocho? Because five plus three, which is Herbie's numbers, raising numbers, equal eight. What? Okay, I guess that, okay. that works. Harvey Carmen's in it. Chloe Leeson's in it. It's terrible. It's just fucking okay. So it's 1980, and they're making another Herbie movie, and it looks exactly like a Dean movie Jones. that they made. Dean Jones has bailed out way before oh, this. He hasn't yet because they made. Okay, get ready for this. They made a direct-to-TV movie for the for Herbie. I I kind of remember this. You know who's in it? I can't remember who's in it. Is Dean Jones in that one too? He narrates it. He narrates. He narr- it. Oh, of course. He, of course, the the patriarch of the Herbie series. Mm-hmm. But of course, have you yeah, ever he- thought, huh? You know what's missing from Herbie? Ash from the from the Evil Dead. He oh should my be god! In this movie. I, even, I had no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man! So he's he's playing the lead, but in this movie, is a little kid. Um, mm-hmm. and it's dumb, and I hate it. So there you go. <laughs> Don't bother. No one did. No one watched it. <laughs> Fuck this movie. Oh, God. They just kept churning those fuckers out, didn't they? I know they did. It's his best oh. friend and blah, blah, blah. It's garbage. Don't. They, that's why they gave up on it for so long. But they kept going back to it. Mm-hmm. If we haven't brought it up before, they're out of ideas. And they have been for a very, very long oh, yeah. time. They started running out in the 70s. Got a little bit worse in the 80s. And then by the 90s, to aughts, they were completely done. The last good ideas had been used up, and now they're just pumping a well, a dry well, a well with dead things at the bottom of it. And we're supposed to, oh, my God. oh fuck it. Steve? <laughs> yes. It's time for you to pick the next movie we're going to review. It's a blind choice, and Steve doesn't know what's in there. A, B, or C, Steve, pick the fucking movie. I'm so scared I'm going to pick the wrong one. You should be scared. I am. Okay. <laughs> you really should be scared, Steve. <laughs> Oh my god. Because one of these one of these movies I absolutely fucking hate. One of these movies I've never watched, and another one of these movies is a fucking masterpiece. Oh my god. Okay. So runs the gamut. All right. I'm just gonna say the letter I picked, and you're just gonna have to tell me if I made a good choice or a bad choice. Okay. I'm washing my hands of it. Okay. C. Oh my god, did I pick the bad one? Oh my god! God damn it! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hard uh, Tuesday. Would have picked uh, a Disney movie that I haven't seen called Frozen. Okay, okay. which I, I haven't seen, seen it. it so. Don't know anything about it. Okay. Had to choose B. Would have picked a masterpiece. The wonderful House Moving Castle. Oh, oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what did I pick instead? I can't wait. But your fucking nose, oh. I swear to God. It's like, you know, how Toucan Sam can find Fruit Loops wherever he goes and the I'll, fucking giant... Of course, wherever he goes, yes. Yeah, you can find shit. That's what you find. You find the stinkiest. Oh I'm, I know a lot of people like this movie. I fucking hate it for a number oh of reasons. You know how I am about history, Steve. Oh, 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 yes. 
Yes. The movie that we're going to review next is a cartoon by Don Bluth. Okay. I recently watched The Secret Nim. Wasn't as good as I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> the movie we're going to review next is the classic. Mm. Anastasia. Every time we've mentioned Russia on this show, I have brought up Anastasia because I fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're going to find out why. So if you guys want to go oh, to boy. or find out why all Jason's teeth are broken from gritting them, <laughs> then you're going to watch <laughs> Anastasia before our next review. And that's it. Thanks, you guys, for, for listening in. For late seating, this is Jason Harding. Go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. You know, we have the holidays coming up pretty soon, and it's got me in a sentimental mood. And I, I remember what my dad said one year when I actually made the gravy for Thanksgiving dinner, and he tasted oh, it. Friend. And he said, he tasted it, and he said, this is glue, strong stuff. So I didn't all the, the things you could have quoted that. in this movie, you went, ah, the glue line. I like well, that. I figure I figured we'd be quoting a bunch of it on the way. I didn't want to be like, not, hey, mission from God. We've said that a bunch. You know what I mean? Not, when my father was done beating me from getting back from the store, he'd then yell at me. You got my cheese whiz boy or something. <laughs> along those <lines>. Where's my <laughs> cheese whiz? Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All right, fine. No, he was, he was just sampling. He was sampling gravy, and he thought it had a glue-like quality. Perhaps mm. I, I used too much thickener. Too you much know, I flour. Too much cornstarch in it. Cornstarch, yeah. You put cornstarch. What kind of... What kind yeah. of I'm, I'm desperately curious. What kind of what kind of gravy was it, see? What kind of gravy was it? Was it turkey well, gravy? It was, it was probably turkey gravy since it was Thanksgiving. Although we often... We, we only occasionally had turkey for Thanksgiving as a family. We usually had chicken, so it may have been a, a chicken gravy. What? We we usually had you chicken because my, we, for Thanksgiving we would more often than turkey we would have chicken. Were you poor? What's wrong <laughs> no, with you? My, no, no, my pap, my grandfather, yeah. who was the patriarch of, sure. of the family while he was alive, okay. he preferred chicken. He liked chicken better than turkey. He thought turkey was too dry. What? Because <laughs> you idiots didn't know how to cook turkey. You had to eat chicken. <laughs> That's what, what I'm telling you. you because and first of all, when you say idiots. My grandmother. I had nothing to do with the cooking of the turkey. If it was okay. too dry, that was because not my fault. Because your grandmother was a mouth-breathing moron who couldn't cook a turkey right? Do you want to see? I have her picture. Yeah, I can show you a picture of the woman you just called a mouth-breathing Yeah, let me yell at her, her face. You idiot. So she just no, said, okay, gonna... we're not going to... How many turkeys did you cook? Just one? Well, they, we only needed one because at Thanksgiving dinner, it was there was usually only six of us. So we just needed one. Yeah. Wait, okay. Just a second. So there was no turkey. There was no chicken left after after Thanksgiving. There may, sometimes ate? there was. It would depend because well, we didn't. Ha it wasn't just we, we. We so okay. It was six of us. It was Pap and Granny, my mom and yeah. dad, and me and my yeah. brother. Okay, so sure. that, that was that was Thanksgiving dinner. Sure. Um, and so we would have chicken or sometimes turkey, but we would also have ham and you know and all the typical side dishes like corn and mashed potatoes and you know all that stuff so there was a You'd lot of food so there were there... ham and turkey for ham and, or ham and ham, chicken for... yeah yeah ham and chicken or ham and turkey depending chicken. on what Just we have yeah. ham what are you talking about two meat dishes what are you people rockefellers stop it <laughs> so for so first we were poor because we had chicken and now we're rockefellers because we had poultry and ham Wait, let me ask was it a canned ham no, no, it was. Uh, we we would get. There's a um a, a a small locally owned grocery store in the area called Ernst's that would do uh, country ham, and we would always get a country ham. Now from, let me ask the Ernst. last yeah. question, Steve. Delicious. Yes. How much help did you give your grandmother in cooking the dinner? None. Oh, you son of a bitch! 
I would help to clean up. I would help do the dishes. So now I got to ask the question, who taught you how to cook Thanksgiving dinner? Nobody. Oh, God. <laughs> what do you do for Thanksgiving now? Do you just eat over the sink? Do you eat a bowl of cereal over the sink? <laughs> Tell me you don't eat a bowl of cereal over the sink, Steve. <laughs> I need a bowl of cereal over the sink. I'm gonna have no, this, no, I go to have to no, send now tickets no, to my no, house no, so you can have no, a decent Thanksgiving relax. dinner. Just relax. Just relax. Both listen. It's it's usually just Thanksgiving is usually just me and my dad and my brother and my dad's girlfriend. And if my brother mm. is dating someone at the time, then, His you girlfriend. know, she's comes along, too. And and it's just us. And what dad has done the last several years since granny has passed away and is no longer with us. Um, he usually just has it catered. He just orders. He, and usually he gets it from Ernst, the same place that we used to get the, the ham from. What? He just has it. He just he he orders it ahead of time and picks I've it up. I've been fighting your whole like family over to my house. It's crazy. It's you have great. Some it's supermarket cater your food, but it's no. It's really good. It's really good. Half the time you got to send people home with packages of food that they're going to eat. That's part of the thing. Yeah, turkey and leftovers, we still, casseroles, we still, stuff. We still have leftovers. He orders a lot of food. We still have leftovers. It's not the same. No one made it with love. You guys are a loveless family sitting over a joyless Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. staring at each other. Each one of them is staring. Where's when? Let's see if gonna find somebody. And you're like, don't say that out loud in front of him. Like, we can't believe we have a place for like a potential girlfriend or something. Anybody. I hope he finds a dog. Something. He doesn't want a dog. What's wrong with him? He needs companionship. He's getting loopier and loopier every year that he's alone in grandma's house. <laughs> No, it's not like that at all. No, no, of course not. No, your dad's not worried about you. No, I mean, I don't. At least not that he's not not that he's ever let on. He has no reason to worry about me. I'm doing great. Think he's praying at the edge of his bed every night. God, please help me, son. (laughs) I don't think so. He's like grasping the blanket. His girlfriend's patting his head. It'll be okay. It will be fine. Oh my god, they're gonna find him dead alone. <laughs> no, because because he can tell when he drops by for a visit every once in a while. Mm-hmm. He can tell that I'm doing fine. I'm always, sure. you know, in good health and clean, and the house yeah. is clean. I'm clearly I'm clearly sure. taking care of the place. The the mm-hmm. yard is mowed. The floors are clean. You're the never kitchen, just standing in your underwear over the sink eating a bowl of cereal for Christmas. <laughs> Exactly. Or just, you know, like emptying a can of beans directly into my mouth, <laughs> not even cooking it or using it as an ingredient in anything. Just opening <laughs> just an old can of black beans and pouring it into my face. You're wearing a soiled open bathrobe as you lick beans off the floor because you dropped them there. <laughs> Completely like, naked. Are you okay? Underneath. <laughs> oh, hey, Dad. Hey, come on in. Sit down. I'll be with you in a minute. <laughs> I just got to suck up a few of these beans I dropped. He didn't grow up in that house, did he? Yeah, this house. Yes, he did. He did. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah. His his old bedroom is right across the hall there. Wow. I keep What's my video there? equipment in it now. <laughs> Actually, what what it used to be um, after it, it was Dad's room when he grew up here, and then after mm-hmm. he moved out, Pap and Granny, uh, Pap they 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 took separate bedrooms, and Granny moved in to Dad's old room, and this this room that I'm in now that I'm doing the show from was was Pap's bedroom. I have never seen old people more relieved when I started taking over cooking. My grandmother <laughs> was like, crazy. "Oh, thank God." The only thing you she would do still, it. The only thing she would still make is lefsa. She would still make that because it's some kind of voodoo magic that we can't figure out. It's some kind of Norse fucking magic that they making it is difficult. You have to have a ricer and all this other stuff and. You know, but I mean, then she, I'll never make them as good as her. But um, when I started taking over cooking, she was like, oh, thank God. Thank God I don't have to make the supper anymore. I was like, okay, thanks, Grandma. No problem. You with back. our family, with, 
with with granny it was her red velvet cake and specifically it was the icing because i think for the cake she would use uh, she would either just use like a pre-mixed mix or she mm -hmm. would start with that and maybe just add it you know change it a little bit to her specification sure. but it wasn't sure. but it was the icing the i i've never i don't think nobody else in our family has ever been able to replicate the icing the icing on the no. red velvet cake was just perfect so she took it yeah. with her she took it with her to the grave Mm -hmm. Selfish old bat. I should have shook her one last time and said, give me the icing recipe. Sold it to Betty Crocker for yeah. gambling money. Give me the not money. Even that, not even that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we better end. We're being nostalgic over dead Yeah, people. being nostalgic over dead relatives. People love to listen to that. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. I mean, you and your dad need to come over and your family. Okay. All family needs to come over for a decent goddamn meal. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.